What's going on, guys and gals? My name is Chris Tondold, and this is Ambition Radio. This is a podcast where we try and find people that have found that balance between their life, family, career, and the pursuit of their passions, dreams, or hobbies. This week, we have Justin Miles. Best way I can describe Justin is as a performer. Justin is a professional tap dancer, most recently touring with Tap Dogs, a professional drummer, most recently touring the UK as a drummer for one of the most popular Tina Turner tribute acts, a singer, and a guitarist. He's a man of many talents, and it was amazing to sit down and catch up. I've known Justin for years, with him being an integral part of the music scene here in Southern Maryland, and I've always known there was more to him. I remember seeing him tap dance during a set and just being mesmerized. Growing up, I always loved seeing tap and had a huge amount of respect for what they do. I can't imagine anyone moving their feet like that without breaking their ankles. But that's just what Justin did. This is a long conversation, almost two hours. We basically cover the two sides to Justin as a performer, his dance side and his music side. We go over his introduction to tap, his first performance at his grade school talent show, his time with Tap Dogs, a Disney cruise ship, and the tremendous process he endured to join the legendary Stomp. Intertwined in there is a story of how he started drumming and eventually came from behind the drums to front his own project as a singer and guitarist, eventually incorporating Tap into the experience. It's a really great conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. I'll have all the links to Justin's stuff in the show notes. As always, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Follow me on Spotify and subscribe on Google Play or however you get your podcast. Thank you for everything. Here's the show. Enjoy. What's the the tour that you just came off of? Uh, it's with Showtime Australia. Um, they house six or seven different tribute acts. Okay. Um, being like ABBA, Queen, Whitney, Michael Jackson, Tina Turner, Bowie, uh, Elton. No, they don't do Elton John yet. They're going to be doing Prince, uh, and they do Queen. Um, but they house, like I said, tribute acts, and I got hired on the spot after 24 hours of landing to visit my girlfriend, who's a dancer in the show, uh, to, to fill the, the drum part for Whitney Houston for two weeks, which also then transferred over to Tina Turner for another six weeks. So it, it, was, a, it was a wild run. I like packed for, like, oh, I'm here for vacation in Ireland for 10 <laughs> days, and then like 24 hours later, I'm like, uh, now, I'm tor- now, I'm, now I'm touring. <laughs> So it was, it was kind of a wild run, and I literally just got back this past Sunday from it. So not that's, like two days ago, but like a week ago. Yeah, that's crazy. But it felt though. good to play drums for for a bit. Cause like it was like I haven't, I can't remember the last time I played drums. Well, I mean, I've always played drums professionally, but with a touring show. And then on top of that, to do it in Ireland in the United Kingdom. So I was like, right. this is awesome. This is cool. I'm okay with that. So. so you land, and then what is your girlfriend just like, yeah, I, this. Our stuff needs a drummer. You want to just go give it a shot? And then you're like, yeah. And then they look at you and we're like, you'll do. <laughs> I wish it was that simple. They, it was crazy. So the story goes, uh, shortly after uh, my girlfriend, her name's Golda, we, we met um, while I was on tour in South Africa. And uh, she was a dancer. She still is for Showtime Australia. I was there uh, doing another show called Tap Dogs. Right. And um, we met do, I, we met just kind of on the prowl, Johannesburg. Yeah, long story short, I landed there and then um, I started hanging out with her crew and just meeting them. And then I went back on a tour and then met up with them again and toured with them for a little bit. As, as this just like a like I toured with them. Like I didn't right. drum or anything. I was you were on just break. there. Yeah, which was cool. And they welcomed me, welcomed, me, welcomed me in with open arms. And like I think at one point they had a sound check and 
the drummer at the time was like, hey, if you want to jump up, you know, go for it. And I did, and I did it. And he was like, cool. So the word got out with her crew that, oh, her boyfriend is a solid oh, drummer. Oh, wow. Okay. So then uh, I went back out on tour for several weeks, months, met up with them again in Cape Town, kind of had some time off. Uh, same thing happened there. So I actually, like, like just being the business guy I was in, I actually went to the top of the chain and emailed Johnny, who's the, oh, he's like the, the director and owner of Showtime, houses all these shows, you know, kind of like a, sometimes you just got to throw yourself out there. Yeah, and I, and yeah. I was just like, I was like, <laughs> you know, I'm going to for your show. Kind of knowing that I had some time off coming up, and this is like February, but like I, I knew Tap Dolls was going to end their tour end of April. Right. Going into May. Right. And at the time, uh, he's Australian. I mean, everyone's mostly Australian, UK, and South African. He was like, hey, man, I, know, I got nothing for you, mate. Hey, all right, but I keep you in mind. Hey, all right. yeah. I was like, oh, man. So then Panda, like May, uh, the beginning of May, I'm like, all right. So I land and I'm like, I'm going to go to Ireland. I'm going to go to Ireland and hang out. And like, of course, at this point, I'm like, I'm on WhatsApp with like the, the, the tour manager, Ben, and a couple other guys. Because you're just, just friends I'm with friends them. with them. At yeah. This. yeah, this is like yeah. seven months in. Yeah. Friends. And uh, they're like, yeah, man, I can't wait to see you. Okay, come on over here. Bring your ass here, blah, blah, blah. And I land. And, uh, <laughs> and this is where the story gets kind of dark and interesting. I mean, it's not too dark. But beforehand, leading up to it, a couple weeks, they had a new drummer that came on. And um, bless his heart. He was a young kid. He's 19. He's super young. But he was a, like a recommended through another bandmate from, okay. the, from the tour. Okay. And um, he just... I think he was just super young. How do I say this without saying negative? I mean, bless his heart. Give him like five years, he probably would have been a rock solid drummer. I mean, he was also probably shell shocked a little bit, or first maybe, tour getting out there, yeah, doing the, the, awestruck. The, yeah, yeah. And it just wasn't. He just kind of wasn't cutting the cake, if you will. Right, and, right. right. Um, and then uh, Johnny, hey, Johnny, his his son Jono runs the tour. Uh, and he runs sound and kind of does the tour managing as well, kind of on the side. And he was just like, I'm, I was sitting next to him in the audience watching one of the Whitney shows. <laughs> this is like the first show I landed. I'm still like, I'm still myself shell shocked. And he's just like, he's like, ah, man, he's just like, he, he, like we just kind of looked at each other a couple of times. We we're just listening to the guy. Bless his heart, the, the drummer. He's, he's doing, he's playing the parts, but he just. He's was a young some, kid. He was young kid. And something, missed, yeah. something wasn't. Yeah, something was missing. You know, he's technical. He's very technical, but there was no. Um, there's no bit, showmanship, There was right? showmanship and a little bit of heart was missing. Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, it's got chops for days. And anyways, long story short, the next day, Jono pulls me aside. He's like, he's like, I know you're a solid drummer. Uh, do you have a video? And I actually sent a video from like seven years ago of me playing Crazy Train with the Piranhas, uh, which was on YouTube. And right. I sent that to the owner. They said, yeah, you, to, to the MD, the musical director. And he's like, oh, he's got the chops. He would be great for Tina Turner, Whitney Houston, and Michael Jackson show down the road. So the next day they're like, "All right, you're gonna audition today." This is I get the, I get, yeah. I'm like, "I'm sorry, what?" I just landed in Ireland. I barely had time to like kiss my girlfriend, and uh, they're like, "Yeah, so you're gonna learn these three songs. Can you learn it by one o'clock by after or two o'clock right. by after sound check?" So I'm outside with the headphones, like plugging away on my lap, just trying to get the parts. I haven't even seen a drum set yet. That's crazy. They gave me like 15, 20 minutes to work with the bass player Steve, and then they're like, "All right, everybody up on deck." It was like you know. Everybody up, and uh, I, I uh, after rehearsing with Steve for a couple 
15, 20 minutes, like I said, the dancers come out, the full band comes out. It's in a theater. So I, we were in somewhere, I don't even know if we're in so Dublin. This isn't really an audition. This is you doing like a full blown sound check rehearsal. Yeah, they just finished sound check with the other guy, Mar- his, okay. the okay. other guy. And okay. then uh, they're like, okay, Justin, uh, John, I'll never forget. He's like, okay, Justin, hop up on the drums. Uh, let's take the three songs from the top. So the dancers did their thing. Uh, uh, Belinda wow. Davis, who sounds like Whitney Houston, and, and she's very, she's an amazing, amazing voice. She's there. I'm like, oh my god! I can't remember the last time I felt that nervous. It was just like, what, what is going on? Because <laughs> yeah. this is a whole whirlwind. This, this is, is a like whole a nonstop. Yeah, less than 24 hours. I'm I'm auditioning for a show that my girlfriend is 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 dancing in and trying to keep that, trying to keep the the personal and the business right, separated. Right, right, right. You know. Well, anyways, long story short, I auditioned, got the gig, and uh, they. Um, sad to say, they I took. Uh, how do I say it? I stole the throne of another drummer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it was wild, man. We played seven shows in Ireland, and then uh, and then shortly after that, I, I stayed in UK. Um, and they went off and did another gig in Russia. Then I, I stayed in UK and um, learned the Tina Turner show for about nine, seven days, seven to nine days, and then went back on on a UK tour with Tina Turner. So it was our Tina Turner tribute, I should say. Right. Not like my dad. My dad gets off the feet so old. He's like, he's on tour with Tina Turner. I'm like, tribute, 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 tribute. Yeah, you got to put that tribute, tribute in there. You got to put that T in there. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's so funny, though. That's a crazy, crazy. way to, to get in there. Mm. Um, I mean, it goes to show you, you show up and you hang around for a little bit, you know. Yeah, if you're just a person, like if you're just like a cool, good person, you make these connections, and mm. I feel like the per- the personal connections in music is leaps and bounds sometimes over your own chops. Yes. Like you can lean on someone that you trust. Yeah. They may not be as technical. They may not be whatever, but they can gel in the show a little bit more. Yeah. And then that actually provides a bigger overall picture Mm. and a bigger overall event and a bigger overall performance. And now I'm sure John O looked at that and was like, yeah, the guy doesn't quite get there, but mm. in a few years he might actually gel. Yeah. Right now we need someone that to fill these shows because I, I imagine they're big shows too, right? Yeah, they're they're they house any the, the the they play big theaters anywhere from eight hundred to twelve hundred seats. You know, I think the smallest theater we played with Tina was like four hundred. It was like one of the That's beginning shows. Insane. Yeah, and we played Wolverhampton, United Kingdom, uh, in Birmingham, and that was like a I think that was a twenty two hundred seat house, and then London Palladium. Uh, before that with Whitney Houston with a full with the London uh, Philharmonic the orchestra wow yeah that was a wild ride I, I'm still like that was a blink of an eye because it was all in one day too I mean we didn't rehearse with him but maybe two hours before the show that's crazy yeah just like I, I definitely I took when I had a little break I was like I'm gonna take the camera and do a little <laughs> selfie action like I'm sitting on yeah, stage there's all these like violinists and just like stellar, stellar people, union players. Right. Just... Were you able to step back at all and be like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life, but I enjoy it? Oh, every day. It was every day. I was like, I don't know what's happening, but I'm here. <laughs> I'm here for a reason. Yeah. And I got to spend time with my girlfriend, too, right. which was very, very nice. So right. It was That's so, super crazy. lush. Crazy. Yeah. Um, so we'll, let's step back a, a second, too, because okay. you did talk about Tap Dogs, mm. which is when I saw you at the Kennedy Center. Uh, what was that in February? Maybe yeah, uh, yeah, February, like the twentieth or something like that, like somewhere around there. All right, so you're drumming for Tina Turner, Whitney Houston. Before that, you're tap dancing. Yes. And as far as I've known you, you've always either done one or the other or melded it together. Yes. So, which is insane to me, because I don't know how you move 
all those different places all at the same time. <laughs> I've seen you play. I think you've played guitar and tap dance at the same time. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, okay. that was that was trying to figure that out a couple of years ago. But yeah, it, it came in the gel. I think around 2012, I started to do that here and there. Right. Yeah. Well, talk to me about Tap Dogs because that's mm. that's one of the bigger shows that I've seen you. You, you said you also danced with uh, Stomp way back when um but tap dogs was an amazing show thank you yeah dean perry's a he's a he's a he's the creator of the show and it's uh he's got a, a hell of a mind when it comes to just uh putting on how does tap relate to your normal audience you right know what i mean right uh and to get that platform across on any on any level in any country is probably the most difficult thing to have your normal blue collar person enjoy a tap dancing show because at the end of the day it's tap dancing yeah well that's that's what blew my mind is that mm. it was definitely bringing like an old art form to modern times yes uh the other thing that blew my mind when i saw it was you guys are a lot of the stage hands as well as the performers yeah yeah we built the set from from the ground up because tap dogs nuts. i mean when you saw it and for those who are listening and haven't really seen tap dogs uh, or decided to like google or youtube it it's built on a construction site and the premise, kind of like Stomp, but with tap dancing, is uh, we tap dance on different construction surfaces. So like steel plates, mm-hmm. I-beams, uh, all types of different wood, mm-hmm. uh, and climbing up ladders and, and like sliding down them. Using we, grinders. Yeah, I was going to say, we yeah. use grinders and tap dance at the same time. Um, it's just the premise. And so like 80 minutes of that, you're just like, all right. I, I get it. I see what's happening. And then with the scaffolding at the end when we're jumping up and down on the scaffolding, you probably remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it, the, it's one big one-up the whole show. Right. It's just like, okay, what are they going to do next? What are they right. going to do next? And to top it off with two live musicians uh, is also... That was also really cool. I, yeah. I enjoyed that a lot. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, the whole, the whole show blew me away as a technical side of it. Uh, and then, like what we were just talking about, bringing an old art form that's been around for at least a century, right? Yeah, over 100 years. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's it's been around for a long, In, long, long Into time. a modern time, and yes. you're selling out Kennedy Center mm. uh, for days in a row, which was amazing. Um, so tell me how that started for you. How did you get involved with Tap Dogs? With Tap Dogs? Oh, man. We're, now we're going to go back to the, when I was 16 years old. Tap Dogs is over, I think they just celebrated 22 or 23 years in the making, technically, because they came out in like 95, 96, when it really started to come out. It came out around the same time as Stomp. Okay. Um, uh, with Tap Dogs, uh, I saw it on a VHS. I think I came home from school or band practice or something, and my mom was like, she was just like, come here, sit down, watch this. You know, it's just like, <laughs> it was on VHS, and she popped it in, I watched it, I just, oh my God, I just remember being like, this is so sick. I mean, it just for for first time for me, watching um, other male performers, or their, other male tap dancers, right. was a huge influence. I mean, before then, I was watching Fred Astaire, and uh, one of my other uh, idols, uh, Gene Kelly, and of course, Gregory Hines. Mm-hmm. And they were like probably the most masculine guys that I've ever seen tap dance. And then I see this show called Tap Dogs, where they're wearing jeans, cut up jeans, flannel shirts, cut off, and they're just like, and, and of course, they're just, it's rock and roll, and they're going to town on this construction yeah, site. Not, and I was just like, this is the shit. Right. Because it's not the, the huge pageantry. It's not, not top, know, top hats and, yeah, and tails, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, you know, which yeah. nothing's wrong with that. It's classy. And I, you know, I choreographed a solo last year for a kid that with that, and, and it won, it did great. But there, it was just something about like, that was the first for me to see. And it was, it was wild. And they're wearing construction boots, these blundstone boots with taps, with taps on them. Uh, it was a huge, huge beyond belief influence for me. 
Um, you've I'll, grown I'll, up with dancing. Yeah, all my life. Yeah, because your mom's an instructor too, right? Yeah, yeah. Thirty-two so, years in the dance studio. Yeah, perfect. So <laughs> seeing seeing that, the best thing that you could see at that time was yeah. was mind blowing. Because you're you're used to, and I think what everybody else thinks about with tap dancing is like soft shoe. It's like very uh, yeah, very jazzy, very jazzy, and it's also Classical. very yeah, yeah, and very proper a lot of times. Yes. Or they talk about like river dancing, yeah, like that's what they think that it is. Oh it's yeah, just, yeah, yeah, Irish step dancing, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Um, so it's, I think it was the same impact even for me is seeing a rock and roll DIY like <laughs> this is this is the show that has obviously turned into something bigger but yeah. that that's got to be a huge impact for you then right yeah it was super super huge i mean and stepping out on that stage every night with it's the audience doesn't expect what they see you know what i mean they, they if like we always said if you expect top hat and tails and a cane it's not this is not your average tap dance show it's very modernized right and it's a blue collar show like it uh, of course like the mom always brings the story is the mom the mom the dance mom always brings a kid out to see a show and then they drag the dad along and he's like oh god this is a tap dance show and then uh, towards the end, he's on his feet clapping because he's like, "This is the, this is this is the shit, man. This is amazing. This is amazing, man. Hell yeah!" So how did that that VHS turn into, you know, you finding more about the show and then eventually joining the show? Uh, so 16 years old, they they had auditions in Buffalo, New York. Okay, in New York. Uh, and I, I, my mom brought me a, a round trip ticket. She was like, you're going, you're auditioning. I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> I think I skipped school to do the audition too. It was like on a week. It was like on a Monday. Cause usually, usually theater shows like that are, uh, are theatrical shows. I should say if they're in a theater, they're going to be off on Mondays, dark right. on Mondays. Right. Right. So definitely skip school for that. It was a cold winter day. I flew up there. There's like hundreds of guys showed up all wearing flannels and jeans, trying to look the part. <laughs> they taught us a combo. They, we did, like, callback after callback after callback. And I just remember learning the step from the show that was, like, I couldn't wrap my head around it. It was, like, a weird five, a five over four step. And I was just like, oh, my God, I'm not going to get this. Uh, we did, like, callback after callback after callback. And um, <laughs> I, I got a call to do the Tap Dog School. I was too young to do the tour at the time. Oh yeah. So I okay. made it, but they were like, "You're too young. We want to like, we want to condition you a little bit." And after going <laughs> up to New York uh, once in a while to take tap dog school, I'm using quotations. Um, they had a, an opening. I think a couple years went by. I went to school. I went to college for dance, mm-hmm. and then a couple years went by. And then I got a phone call from the agent saying, "Hey, or their their person, I should say, um, saying, um, hey, we want you to, we got to sit down in Reno for like two months." And this is Reno, not not Las Vegas. This is Reno, and they're like, we got a, we got a, a, a two month sit down if you want to do it. And so, I took a leave of absence from from college to go do this show. Wow! For two months, and I learned it in like six seven days. It's like one week to learn it. So I had to come in early in the morning with the with the dance uh, the dance rehearsal director Brian mm-hmm. Burke. I'll never forget it. And um, he was teaching me the show during the day and then I would watch the show at night and then it would next day, same thing, repeat, rinse and keep and move on. And then I never, I didn't know like 80% of the show. And he was like, oh yeah, you're ready to go in. I was like, what? <laughs> He's like, oh, no tap dog. He's like, no tap dog goes on stage knowing the, the show 100%. I was like, and I'm, I'm like 20, 21 at this, at this point. Right. And I'm just like, oh, oh you're good. <laughs> just sent me on. Yeah. Sent me on stage, man. And all the rest of that is history. So. Crazy. That's crazy. That's how I got involved, man. 
Yeah. And after that, I, I went back to school for finished up. I had to get. I had to finish up school. Everyone was like, "Finish up, get your degree." Blah 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 blah. And then never use it because you're you're just doing it. <laughs> you're just doing it on stage well, it's anyway. A, it's a dance degree. Believe it. A lot of people don't know that I went to school for dance, and uh, so I'm, a lot of the stuff I learned in school it it, it, it helps out in the business aspect of it and technical wise, I can back it up like some knowledge of like, well, you're not doing that step right. And here's why. Okay. But, uh, I didn't, I, I learned a boatload, like 40 hours a week of ballet, believe it or not. Like wow. I went and I was, I was a full on ballerina, like for, for as, as, as like messed as, up feet and everything. Oh man. And my, my body, my knees, like, yeah, just not being able to walk after 40 hours a week, but you, they condition you and they train you to, to, to really know your your stuff, mm-hmm. um, and then shortly after that, uh, after college, I went off to a Disney cruise ship, which was probably the one gig that I did that really paid off from from my dance uh, uh, college career because okay. I came out at 24 years old being like, okay, I'm conditioned, I'm 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 hot and ready, let's let's do this. I did the jazz, I did the musical theater, like you know, back it up, oh, <laughs> happy magical day, <laughs> and just wanted to like wanted to shoot myself for working for Disney because it's just like the same thing. It's like Groundhog's Day, man. Right, right. There there was no improv. There was no nothing. And it's not... very structured, very strict on what you have to, like, characters, the whole nine, right? You cannot stray from the the center line one bit. Not one bit. And it was a learning experience. And, I I mean, I don't want to break anybody's hearts from, from being like, oh, this is Disney, but... Uh, it was hard to work for, man. It was it was really hard. And and keep in mind, this is on a cruise ship, and we're doing seven shows a week. And you so, can't just go home. No, you can't just leave. Can't just go. Okay, I'm gonna just go home now. <laughs> Bye, everybody. You get like maybe be a minimum of three or four hours when you hit shore somewhere like Cosmo right, or right, wherever right. you get off, and like then you got to get back on the ship because now you got to perform for everybody that evening. And you do two 45 minute shows back to back. Same show. That's, that's nuts. Yeah. Any Disney hit you think of, we did it. <laughs> right. For six months straight. That's got to be draining creatively too, right? Oh, my God, yeah. My creative, in, my, my creative output just got shelved for a good six weeks or six months. Sorry. That's crazy. Yeah. Because you're conditioned. You're just conditioned to do Disney. Yeah. For six months straight. Yeah, I've heard stories even with um, people working at Disneyland or Disney World. Yeah, same thing. Where if they're doing uh, a character, like if they get chosen to be a princess or goofy or whatever, right? Sure, yeah. You can't break out a character. If you break out a character, you're basically like fired on the spot. You can be, yeah. And they'll they'll like they'll like uh, I don't know what the what the proper word is, but they'll they'll like give you uh, like a warning, right? Or they'll dock your pay, and right? Right. After that, it's like, yeah, it's yeah, it's crazy how <laughs> intense. Like the happiest place on earth should be, <laughs> right? Be, yeah. yeah. And they'll leave you with, have a magical day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I heard that one more time, I was going to, I was going to just, man overboard. <laughs> right. And you couldn't, you couldn't leave. Like that's, no, that's, that's got to be claustrophobic. And, uh, okay. Oh, and the training that they, I mean, the, the, bless the ones that do it on, like you said, Disneyland, Disney World. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, if, if people can do it, go work for Disney, do it, get it out of your system. If you want to work for them for the rest of your life, go for it. I'm not knocking them whatsoever. I'm saying for me personally, I want I wanted to shoot myself, uh, and because and, <laughs> but to top it off, on a Disney cruise ship, we went through <laughs> weeks and weeks of training. Not only for Disney training, we had to go through our dance training. Uh, we had to go through like dance uh, uh, training for like um, like a customer etiquette. 
mm-hmm. like how to treat customers. If you're just happen to be walking around and someone says, "Hey, uh, blah, blah 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 blah," I have a question about blah blah blah. You have to be like, "Oh well, you know." Wow. Yeah, yeah. And you and then of course you have to send them off with "Have a magical day." You know, it's <laughs> like you had to say that. And if a supervisor just happened to be in an earshot, and it happened to me once, I was like, "Okay, cool. Ha- have a, have a great day." I was just super nice, talked to whoever it was, and said, "Oh yeah, if you're looking for the right. whatever, whatever, it's on right. deck." You know, C or not deck C, deck three, and you got to go this way. Blah blah blah. Have a great day. A supervisor was around the corner and said, "Hey, uh, just uh, just to let you know, you you didn't say have a magical day," and I was just like, "Whoo, sweating bullets, man!" It was that tense. That's like that's it this, was that tense, man. So Chick Fil A does my pleasure, right? Like right. that's got to be the same. It's very similar, mentality, bro. right? Yeah, yeah, man, totally. Oh, that I don't think I could do it. Like I I would look at him and be like, nah. I'm out. Like I, I would go swim. I would learn how to swim and just to go over there. Just, like, I, just no, no, no. Mm-mm. Yeah, that's, it, it that's was wild. Tough. And so, they trained you. They trained you on that too. They're like, keep in mind, you're gonna be on on a cruise ship for six six months. You're gonna live in a bathroom sized cabin. <sighs> I shared a I shared a, a cabin with another guy that I still keep. Fr- I'm still friends with this today. Matt, he's awesome. But we, we we bunked. We were bunkmates. And to have that to go back to every night was you got used to it. Right, and then by the time you got back to a normal, back to normal society again, you see the size of a room, like a normal room at your house. You're like, "This is huge! <laughs> this is like a mansion, mom." Yeah, because it's like for you, it would be like going from dorm to literally a, a smaller dorm, a very very small dorm. Right? Yeah, that's that's nuts. I could I could I still remember I could lay on the bottom bunk, and and I could like lean outside my bunk and touch the touch the bathroom door. And if mm. you were on, if you were on in the bathroom doing your doing dropping the kids, you can open the door and like you can change the channel for the TV. It's just everything was super super tight. But we did a lot of game cubing. We played yeah. a lot. Of, we played a lot of. We played F Zero and uh, and tried to beat each other all the time. It was just there was nothing <laughs> else to do, and maybe watch Mulan on the Disney Channel for. And like, this was like six months in a row. Six months in a row. Wow. It was like Groundhog's Day. Wow. Yeah. That's that's wild. All right. It paid good. It was good money. And, yeah. You know. Uh, you ate decently in the mess, and you got to see some cool places. And I know some people that are still, still doing it. You know, and I've actually went back and worked for Disney a couple of years ago in Toronto. I, I, they asked me to come in and choreograph a tap section of the same same show <laughs> that I did back. This is 2005 when I was on the cruise ship. And actually, the matter of fact, it was 2016. They were like, hey, "You want to come back and re revamp that uh, section?" Yeah, and I was oh, like, how the tables have which turned. tells me they've been using the same choreography since I was there for 11 years. years. Yeah, wow. yeah. Oh. So we revamped it, but they kept a lot of things the same. Crazy, wow. crazy nuts. Yeah, but you know the platform's there, and if it works, it works. If yeah, if, yeah. Well, even even like the 311 cruises or mm. like all the all the music cruises that that you go on too like they got to do the same thing over and over again yeah thankfully it's only like they they kind of dictate it right like yeah, it's, sure. it's only a little bit at a time it's yeah. not six months uh stints but i mean that's that's still something that i think about all the time where you have bands that are on there and they're playing four five six days in a row they yeah. have to try and like divvy it up a little bit as far as what their set list is yes but they probably don't have that much to leeway to kind of get out of that because people are expecting the hits oh yeah 100 percent. yeah so that that's that's wild to me okay yeah so you can't really like i said you can't stray from the center line too much right but you just brought up a good point too uh it goes to also show that if you are doing the same thing uh, night after night and keep in mind this was a seven-day cruise as well so (laughs) those same people i think after like the third or fourth day they see okay i i recognize this guy 
for this one show and then they'll come back the next day and, and watch the next show which is a completely different show with completely different Disney music but they'll be like oh it's the same guy but he's doing a different part now so for seven days the same people <laughs> are cruising and coming to see different variety right, shows right right so for them, I'm also like, well, how are they? How are they taking it? It would be different if they're on the show if they're on, the, on a cruise for like two or three days. And for us, we have to say, okay, it's the same audience for seven days mm-hmm. watching seven different shows. So uh, it, it was it, we had to be on point and just like we have to remember for ourselves. We kept reminding ourselves on a professional level, like this is the first time they've seen it. This is the 300th time we've performed it, but this is the first time this person has seen right, this show. Right. So you had, to, you had to try your best to nail it uh, just like that every time. Yeah, so how did, A, how did, uh, how did you keep going with that? Because I, I think that's a, a good, good thing. And then mm. B, what do you think that you learned the most out of that experience? Was it just the, the structure? Was it... Something where, okay, this is how I can continue to get better and better. I can always refine one other thing, whatever whatever it is, right? Sure. Uh, That's a good question. When you do the the motivation, when you're a a passionate artist, uh, myself and everybody else that was on that ship, you could tell the ones that let go a little bit that said, okay, you know what, I'm over this. I don't want to do this anymore. And that's when you had to be like, that's when like the stage manager would step and be like, hey, you need to like, come on, be right. professional about it. Right. You can't just show up at your Starbucks job and say, you know what, I don't feel like pouring coffee today. You just have to. And right. you have to be like, I got to make it the same way every time. A little bit of sugar, a little bit of skim milk or whatever it is. So you gotta, you got to have those ingredients and you just have to dig deep. There's a lot of digging deep to be like, and, and I think the biggest motivation when it comes down to like technical wise is that like, okay, these people have paid for this service. Mm-hmm. Technically, if you go down to like the, the bottom of the chain, you're like, okay, why are they here? They're here to get away. They're here to get away from like uh, their nine to five. They want to, they want to be entertained. We have to give this to them. So, and there's a moment of that inspiration when you are on stage and you're like, okay, this, this feels good. I'm performing, you know, but if, if any little shadow of doubt came into your head, you had to like, I guess this is what pr- separates the professionals from the ones who don't really want to do it. Right. Is you just have to punch through that brick wall. Right. And then your mind, your mind generally lets go, and you just have a good time. Yeah, and yeah. it's all it's all muscle movement after absolutely. a while, right? Yeah. And you, yeah, absolutely. And that's the other thing. Sometimes you get caught on autopilot, and then you're just going through the moves. And yeah. don't get me wrong, there was a couple times where you're like you're going through the moves, and you catch yourself. And we call those blackout moments when you're you're dancing, your body takes over, and you're like. Almost like your brain goes into slow motion, but your body's going 100 miles an hour. And you're just like, what's going on? I don't understand what I'm doing. I'm on a cruise ship, and I'm entertaining people right now in the middle of the ocean. It's almost like being in a car accident. Like, mm. everything just goes slow, mm. almost, right? Yeah. And you feel like you're not really in control. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you come back, and you're like, oh, well... This is what just happened. Yeah. Now I have to correct myself, and now I have to figure out what, what just... It's exactly what it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. And I know we've all had that moment where if it's a car accident or if you're just in a sudden, like, <gasps> moment, like, your, your brain goes, what? And it comes right back like a movie scene, like yeah, a flashback yeah, yeah, in a movie. Yeah, yeah and it, it's wild. Um, God, it, it, it's... It, you just have to... You have to dig deep and just bust through that brick wall, man. I mean, I was happy to get off. <laughs> that was the day that we were like... I was like, see you later. As I look over my left shoulder back at this cruise ship and I go, have a magical day. <laughs> Just like, see you later. And they only had two cruise ships at the time too. So now they have like 10, yeah, 12. Yeah, I was about to say, they have like a whole fleet. They could take over a whole country. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> or the whole world of that. Right. Jeez. I mean, they're, 
they're they are they're trying. Um, yeah. And and to this day, I mean, Disney's to to just to put it on a really good positive note. I mean, it's a you, a lot of people still work for Disney and they get benefits and all that stuff. But um, I, I learned a lot from it as far as. Uh, working with people and and how to run things, even if I wanted to become like a stage manager or something down the road mm-hmm, and technical stuff. Because mm-hmm. even though I was dancing and singing all the whole time, I was always, I became close friends with all the crew guys. Like the right. sound engineer, the right. lighting guy, the the stage manager, and all the crew guys backstage. And well, you guys fact, are in the same spot for so long. Yeah. And and the one thing I've always had in in, uh, in the back of, uh, of my heart was, because uh, I've also done the crew thing before too. Mm-hmm. Like even in high school, like I was always doing... If I wasn't singing in a chorus or playing in band, I was the crew for the for right. a crew member for like the the theater guys. Right. So I became like close, and they were like good family to me. So that being a crew guy all the time was always was really cool, and hanging out with them in the cabins and the crew bar, and you know they were like, "Yeah, I man, you're cool, man." Like, <laughs> we don't really hang out with the dancers a lot because they don't want to hang out with us. And well, I was like, "Well, I don't really want to hang out with them, so I'll hang out with you guys." Right. Well, I was about to say like it, it gives a bigger perspective for you mm. and more respect to the the people that are working to make this show just Happen. as good as possible right yeah cuz they're they're pushing they're pushing props on stage and they're also they the sound guys making you sound good the lighting mm-hmm. guys making you look good the stage managers there to to call the show like 300 cues per 45 minute act or whatever it is so i mean and i would just see the dancers just like piss off after a show and just do their own thing and uh, I was like, well, that sucks. And I would always thank the crew every night. Yo, thank you, guys. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you, Chris. Thank yeah. you, whoever. Yeah. Cool, Christian. Thank you so much for... And they were, and after, like, I guess, like, a few weeks of that, they're like, okay, this dude's cool. Right. You know? And right. I did it out of the good as my heart because I'm just yeah. like, without even thinking, all right, y'all, y'all, thank you so much, man. Yeah. Peace. I'll see you at the crew bar later. Yeah. I'll buy you a beer. You right. Because it, it's... I think it's like any other performance... Uh, whether it's music, whether it's dance, whether it's whatever, right? Yeah. Like these are the people that are, are the backbone of the show. Absolutely. So I would always go out of my way to make sure that like my sound guy was always taken care of when I was Absolutely. doing shows. Absolutely. Yeah. Like that. That's such an important part of the overall performance of the show. Like, yes. why wouldn't you? Anyway. So yeah. and then also just when you throw respect to them, man. Yeah, they're, just, they're, they're they're human too, and they're also there doing the job. The sound guy is like what we call it, like the fifth or sixth member of the band. Yeah. Yeah. Pay them what they deserve and give them a pat on the back. Shake the shake their hand. <laughs> Say <yeah>. hi. Right. <laughs> and then like, if if they don't have that respect for you, they could easily just turn you down. Like that's <laughs> just, I think that's what people forget. Like that's or turn the suck button up more. Yeah. Right. <laughs> this guy sucks. Let me turn it up that's a little so bit. So funny. Um, <laughs> oh, that's good. So yeah, what you're you're at. The Disney cruises, and mm. now uh, what happens after that? Are we talking with Stomp? Are we going back to Tap Dogs? Are we at home playing music? Yeah. What, what's the the next step? 2005 was a cruise. Uh, shortly after college, uh, and then I I auditioned for Stomp like a few weeks later. I got off the, sh- the cruise like the end of September, and I think they had an audition in New York, the end of October, and I mm-hmm. saw it through an ad through Backstage Magazine, which still is out. They still distribute Backstage Magazine, and all it is is like one ads like galore for like entertainment, right? Everything you could think of, any kind of audition, even for commercials, Pringles commercials, Stomp, any ballet, any musical, Cats. If it's a union <laughs> audition, yeah, or like like Phantom of the Opera, Lion King, right? Like, and and I mean they're brutally honest in their ads. They'll say like only hiring ethnical people for the audition upcoming of Broadway musical Lion King. So very very specific. In oh, what they're very they want. specific. Yeah, and. 
I mean, if this was in 2005, and they still do that, even for mm-hmm. like certain musicals. So the, the the ad was really small, it was really small. And I remember seeing like open call for for auditions for Stomp. I about lost my goddamn mind. I was like, yes, whoa! Got on like Amtrak, like jumped up there, did the audition, and there was a thousand people that showed up to that thing. And I'm fresh off the cruise ship, and this is like uh, this is all I want. I've always wanted to do Stomp. <laughs> always been a huge fan of Stomp. Seen it a hundred times. Because like, stateside, Stomp was such a big movement in yeah. early aughts, like late 90s, early aughts, Yeah, right? and they had a, sh- a huge push when they did HBO. They had an HBO special, I want to say in 97. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I remember watching that just jumping out of my chair. I was like, God, this is so cool. Right. Like body percussion, drumming on trash cans, brooms, and it just, all, like, just everything that you can imagine they were making music out of. I feel like anybody had, that had any kind of musical in- inclination, sure. like that's what they – because it's basically just like playing on the pots at home, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's all it was. And we're like, oh, I can do that real? Yeah. I can In actually make – Yeah, this is – And a, tour, the, tour the world? Right. Yeah, so it was cool. And after auditioning for that, it was just like I, – I could, I could just – that was the one show that I could just taste it. I just wanted it so bad. Tap Dogs, same thing, but this was like more of a drumming show for me. Right, okay. So I was just like, yes, like I want this. And, it, and I'll never forget the ad said, hiring, uh, hiring dancers that can drum, hiring drummers that can move. So it kind of shows you the, the middle, the median, if you will, of how they wanted to coincide professional dancers and professional right. drummers on the same right. platform. Well, what, what got you into music? When, were, when did you start doing music, too? Uh, when I was seven, I, I started playing drums. Okay. I think, I think my, about seven or eight years old. I, my, I, I think like playing the pots and pans and whatever right, I right. get my hand on, I think the, the mom and dad were like, well, it's time to, to get him and his brother a drum set. And, uh, and we woke up one morning for Christmas. You know, it's the typical cliche. Like, yeah. You know, it was under like a, sh- a cloth, and we unwrapped it, and both, both me and my brother both lost our minds. We're like, oh, my God. Yeah. Drove my dad crazy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Quit making a goddamn noise. Dancing and, and drumming for you then ran started, parallel, started right? To, that's when it started to parallel. Yeah, yeah. And I think because I, I started out tap dancing when I was three, uh, like there you go, like four, almost like five years later, this drumming thing started started happening. And I remember watching. This is a really cool story for you. When I was in first grade at, at elementary, uh, Lady Dent Elementary School, uh, I watched during the talent show. Which I performed in, by the way. My mom was like, you're going to perform in the talent show. And I was like, no, I'm not. And she was like, you're going to perform in the talent show. And I was like, probably the most detrimental feeling of my life being right. like, I don't know, what, seven, eight years old, first grade, and right. like de- performing in front of all your peers. <laughs> and it was a classic solo. It was like, I was wearing, I, there's a, oh, I wow. wish I, I, okay. if I could show you, I'll, I'll, if I could get the picture at home, I'll show you. I had a white top hat. You want to talk about the tux? White top hat, white <laughs> Like blazer and white pants with a red cummerbund and a red bow tie. Nice. Talking about like just ha- just hating life, just all the kids. You know how it is like, during yeah. an assembly. Like, assembly. Yeah. Did, we did the talent show during assembly. Everyone's sitting down Indian style, and I was the first to go. Oh, Feed them to the wolves. That's gotta be rough. Feed them to the wolves and like. <sighs> But the what so all these kids are doing all the the the, the whole it's like an hour long the, you know someone's uh-huh. pantomiming this doing that someone's re- reading this doing a magic and here's my next magic trick I'm gonna make a rock fall through the paper <laughs> right but then this band came out at the end I'll never forget this feeling to this day this band came out uh, and this kid by the name of Aaron Escalopio was playing drums do you know Aaron Escalopio no. drummer for Good Charlotte. Oh, okay. All right. The that, original, makes, yes. that makes so much sense. Okay. Yeah. All right. And, and like, I kind of have to pay homage to this guy. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. 
he was a little older. I think he, I don't know if he was two or three older. Right. But I just remember watching this two kid just, older, just yeah. smashing on the drums, just going to town, going to town, and the sound of the drum kit and the pocket that that kid had. Right. I mean, he's he's one of the best drummers that came out of Southern Maryland. Still has, still smashing it to this day. Yeah, yeah, that makes so much sense. That okay, because Good Charlotte's from the area. Yeah, yeah, Aaron, yeah. Aaron lived in I think uh, in Golden Beach at the time. Okay, yeah, yeah. And like I said, he was a little bit older, so I kind of looked up to this kid. I was like, that, that's that. I would see he was like he was like this redhead that would, like freckles like kinda, like walking around in the hallways. Mm-hmm. And every time I pat like he passed, I had I was so like infuriated. I was like, that's the drummer. <laughs> that's the drummer. <laughs> He's so badass. <laughs> but it just like so I kinda have to pay homage to him uh for for being kind of like one of the, the, the first influences yeah. of like kind of like planting the seed of 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 of, a, of being a drummer today and right. a professional drummer at that. It's just but I just remember the sound that the, the snare made in this like cafeteria slash um it must have been loud. Yeah, it wasn't too loud. I mean he had the I mean at that time he had the, the drums tuned, but for me, I didn't care if it was loud. I was like right. that, that kick drum, and then he, and then the snare, and just him, just just he was bouncing up and down at a boom, cat, boom, boom, cat. I think they played summertime blues. God, if he's listening right now, he's gonna laugh his tits off. <laughs> I don't, I don't think anybody from that band's gonna listen. But I bet you they will. We'll, we'll if, find out. I, I will, we'll send them a link. Say, hey, <laughs> yeah, just yeah, fast. If you guys want to come forward. on, yeah, yeah, come. Yeah, they would. Yeah, I bring me. Uh, oh, what what is the dude? He'd come wife? on. He would. He uh, might have to travel to Baltimore. I think he lives in Baltimore. Oh, now. perfect. Runs a recording uh, studio, from what I hear. Oh yeah. That's that's so crazy. So small world, right? Yeah, yeah. I went to school with the, with the with the original drummer of Good Charlotte. So we'll fast forward to sure. uh, that that episode, which is great. That that inspirational little moment, and now we're yeah. at Stomp mm. and looking for that drummer that can move and that dancer that can drum. Yeah. So how is because I've been drumming all before then too, like right. even after, like through high school and middle school, during jazz band and the Dr. Freeman from from Chop the Con, I owe him a lot of homage too because he was lesson after lesson. Uh, Chris Dent was um, a huge inspiration to me too. He was our high school uh, uh, drum instructor. I still keep in touch. He actually came and saw Tap Dogs back in February. That's fantastic. And he was just like, "Dude, man, this is so badass." Man. <laughs> he would give me a lesson here and there. He's the one who taught me how to shuffle. Uh, how to like do the the pretty shuffle okay. along with another guy named John Sisson who used to be a buddy of his uh, that would taught at Leonardtown. Nice. So like I would hang out with these dudes, like these older dudes, and just right. like listen to them talk shop, right? And just like all the drum talk and scatting, and just like just being like, dude, these guys are freaking <laughs> awesome. So I kind of li- like you said, parallel lived yeah. these two different like yeah. like lives. Where everyone's going home playing Xbox and doing their other thing, I was just like hanging out with these older dudes, listening to them talk shop, and then then I would go to dance and do the tap dance thing, and then like all the other stuff, and then so yeah, after college and after Tap Dogs, the I was still drumming and I was doing it not too professionally, but just little gigs here and there, and tried to cut like recording like studio albums mm-hmm, that if I listen mm-hmm. to this day I would like it's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> gotta start like, somewhere. You gotta start somewhere. Yeah, yeah. But it's like you use it as blackmail. It's like. <laughs> Remember when you sucked? <laughs> and I still do. Uh, but no, I mean, like, that's so. how I feel like every episode. Remember when you sucked? You can hear it every single time. Well, like I said earlier, turn that suck button out. <laughs> but yeah, no, then, then Stomp came along and it, it just, the chops, it was the first time in my life that like the tap dancing and the drumming, um, even though there's Blended. no tap dancing in Stomp, yeah. there's body percussion. So you had to use your, your feet and your body and, the, and a lot of stamping. So you would do a lot of, like, a lot of rhythm goal. Uh, uh, it's almost like a lot of people say, oh, that looks like step dancing, but it's a completely different ballgame. Right, right, yeah, right. Step dancing is more fraternity and uh, sorority. But, um, and uh, it's this... more percussive than what you're doing. You're going 
because that's all the sound with step dancing is whatever they're making. Yeah. With stomp, you're and they're, blending they're, that they're sound. Drills. Yeah, they're right. more like drill oriented and calling out drills and stuff. With stomp, they, they it's a little bit of step dancing, but it's more body percussion, feet and hands, hands and feet they call it, and a plus. Excuse me, we're we're using um con, like unconventional instruments. So it's uh, cha- we use like folding chairs, brooms, mm, yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. like a. Uh, the water cooler bottle, like and the fifty gallon drums. The oh yeah. yeah, those things are heavy to this day. I'm like, Ooh, how did I do that? <laughs> trying to like stomp, make it all the way on stage to do like a forty five second number, and then off the stage you go. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people don't know the mechanics behind that. That 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 huge the the huge drum work that Chris is talking about is like this. Uh, it's like it's a it's like a like a big. It's a drum, but it's a it's like a almost like an oil can yeah. thing. Like yeah. it, it, it sits about four and a half feet off the ground. It's insane. and the crew guys, what they do is they put like a two by four at the top and drill it into the top with a ski boot. So like you, the ski boot, you get into the ski boots, you hop on this thing, and then you click in. Wow! So instead of having to ski at the bottom of your feet, you got this 40, 50 pound wow. freaking drum thing, and to, you're in wide like you're in a wide stance the you whole time. You can't move. Yeah, you have to relearn how to walk. Right. <laughs> I remember when I first strapped those things on, I was like, I'm supposed to walk on stage and walk. And after a while, you get used to it. You can do right, it. Right, right, right. Yeah. That and, is, and time with making music. That's nuts. <laughs> that's nuts. So how was that uh, audition then? So thousands of people are showing up. Yeah. And you, where was this one again? This was in New York City. New York, right? Yeah, at the Stomp Theater. And it's the Orpheum Theater off of 8th that's... and 2nd Avenue. Amazing. Still there to this day. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Mm. Okay. So talk to me about, uh, I mean, you could taste it, like how much you wanted it. God, man. Yeah. I I could still to this day, I'm like, I remember the feeling I had when I rolled up there. I was just like, God, I want this so bad. I never wanted something so bad in my life. That's uh, yeah. That's fantastic. So yeah. how how was that process for you then? So you got the drive in there. Then you see everybody where you just The line like, was wrapped around the building. Did you feel like you could beat them? Yeah. I mean... There, there is a, especially in the the dance musical theater and uh, th- that world, it, it's very it's highly competitive. Mm-hmm. But it didn't meet anybody. If, I think there's, there's something about the demographic of just that show. Everyone's cool. A lot of drummers, right. a lot of dancers that can drum, a lot of drummers that can move. Everyone was just so chill and cool. I remember being like, I was a little nervous, but I wasn't as nervous as like showing up to like a Disney audition. Okay. Or like you know everyone's like, oh, it's a, yeah. I mean that that's their dream yeah. to be in Disney. Oh, like God, yeah, right. To, to, okay. Yeah, their dream to say have a magical day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like, I mean, be, hey man, that's their pipe. It was never a dream right. for me to be a part of right. Disney, but like Stomp, oh yeah, okay, all, all the time. I used to talk about it when I was on the cruise ship, like, oh, you know, and Stomp, they do this and they do that and they do this. So when that audition came along, I was just like, holy shit, like, I gotta go do this. Um, but no, the, the line was wrapped around the building. About a thousand people showed up, and they cut the line right in front of me. Oh wow! So this is a Monday again. It's a dark day. Yeah. So because the theater didn't have it, a show right, on Monday, right, right? right? And I remember the guy coming out uh, from the uh, the casting agent was like, "Okay," and I'll never forget his voice. He was like, "Okay, we're gonna cut the line here. Thank you so much." And then I was like, I looked at the guy. I was like, "Wait." Is that it? You're not taking any more people for the audition? He's like, no, no, no. Sign up here, and then you come back tomorrow at 9.30. Oh. And I was like, I about fell out. I wasn't even sitting in a chair, but I about, fell out. I about fell out, man. I was like, cool. I come back the next day. They take us in. Uh, everyone shows up generally for an audition like this with like a headshot right. with your resume or right. your bio on the back. Right. And 
which I scrammed for like three days to get like <laughs> I, this is 2005, so I'm just like where I don't know if there was a Kinkos or if my mom had a shitty printer that I had to like. <laughs> I got this headshot for you. You can take it off. I'm like that's like four years old. Yeah, it's just um, you and that. Tux. But I remember the guy. His name was Scott. It's some some dude named Scott that just showed up. He had, a, he had like a, a fro like Bob Ross and a clipboard. Nice. And he was just like, yeah. So we showed him. He's like, we don't need your headshots or your resumes. And I was like, okay. So now I'm like three days of nothing for. <laughs> but they handed us. They handed us. Um. Uh. Like what's the, what's the index cards? And sure. they said, write down three things. They said, write down. No, no, he said, write down something short about yourself and one cool thing that you have. Like, one cool little, like, trick or specialty that you have. I like that. Yeah. And so people were writing down, like, backflips and uh, I can whistle, like, whistle the alphabet or something like that. And I'm like, okay, what kind of specialty do I have? I wrote down tap dancing and then I wrote down uh, repelling. Repelling. Because when I was on the cruise ship... Uh, one of the, the shows that we did was Pirates of the Caribbean theme. Okay, cool. So off a of smokestack, I actually repelled off a of smokestack, like like bole and everything. That's got it. Yeah, that must have been intense. I got decked out like Johnny Depp. Took me like an hour and a half, two hours getting all this makeup in this pirate outfit with with wow. a harness on, just to come out and like part of the the the, the Pirates of the Caribbean show. And right. I'm like, <laughs> pantomime, by the way. And then I just like repelled down and then walked off. That was it. That's crazy. <laughs> and it, it, That's but crazy. so I had that on my bu- on my list of yeah, like, yeah, okay, yeah. well I can repel. And I think they looked at that and said, okay, like this guy's got some experience in repelling because during the Stomp show. They actually put on a harness and they hang from a wall and drum vertically. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember yeah, that. Okay. Yeah, you can look it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Suspension. It's called suspension. If you're listening, look up stomp suspension and you'll see what I'm talking about. So they're hanging from a from a harness with a carabiner, the whole nine yeah, yards. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So I, I was like, huh, I can do that. <laughs> so the two and two went together. <laughs> yeah, and they got us up there. They taught us something called hands and feet, uh, which. It sounds like and you're doing that with just your hands and your feet, mm-hmm. and a bunch. They had like 50 people in like this small uh, semicircle, and they said, "What's going to happen is everyone's going to learn this groove, and one at a time, you're going to come up and give me a four-bar solo." Oh wow! Yeah. So, <laughs> and this is all the audition. This is this is a thousand people they went through on that Monday and oh. Tuesday. And they're making cuts along the way. That's got to be intense for them. That was the like, first cut, bro. Wow. Yeah. So you come up, you do this groove for th- uh, four bars. Boom, ba ba ga ba doom ba doom ga ga do two da 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 three da 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 four da 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 solo one two dip 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 two whatever you got up your sleeve. So then the next person would come up. So every between between every improv. They said improv, but everyone was off in the sure. corner like, oh, I'm going to do this and do this and do that. <laughs> I saw the most bizarre solos too, man. I was like, holy shit. People doing like – some people tap dance. I didn't tap dance in my mind because I knew it wasn't what they were looking for. Right, right. And the lady even said – she, she said, if you tap dance, that's fine, but we don't want to see tap dancing. This is not a tap dance show. We're not Savion Glower. Uh, bringing the noise, bringing the funk. It's having auditions up the street. If you want to go do that, <laughs> go for it. But I already had some body percussion experience, so I just I whipped out something. People doing splits and like turns and all this backflips, break dancing, break, like break yeah. dancing. Not yeah. even doing a lick of body percussion. <laughs> just which like, doesn't make any sense because you got to you got to know. I think you got to know your audience. Like yeah. that's, that's probably the biggest lesson: know your audience, know what you're going for, and yeah. then you can probably get in there. This is your first impression. You better make it a good one. Yeah, yeah. And not not to say, I mean, the, the people have done like backflips and stuff, and like backhand springs and stuff with like trash can lids on. Sure. But for this audition, it was like, show them what you got. Give them some t- – they want to 
they want to taste the music that you have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they made a cut after that, and then uh, we came back, and then they introduced us with uh, the trash can lids. And I'll never forget how, how much they, to this day, I can still feel how much it hurt. So they were like, cool, let's see you move. So that's what I was like. Boom, I got that background, that dance background from college. I'm gonna do a little bit of like whatever movement with this, with this, like with this audition. And uh, that was the second cut. I made it past that cut. And then they introduced like a six foot pole, like a wooden pole and a hammer handle. Good Lord. A hammer handle that you had to make music with <laughs> against this pole. So it was a whole week of auditions. Wow. And then just different material. Different material. Different- Different tastes of styles, different types of um, uh, different instruments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the big blue barrels on the stage that we call them blues. Uh, and then after that, they pulled in. I guess there there must have been like twenty five of us that made it out of all those thousands of people. After they let go uh, of uh, a couple rounds of people mm-hmm. coming back, and I think there was like twenty to twenty five of us left. And then from there, they're like. Okay, you you didn't make it quite yet, but what we're gonna do is we're gonna workshop you guys for like the next two weeks. So then after that, um, they workshopped us for. Oh man, I think we got there nine or ten o'clock in the morning and left at f- like four or five p.m. So they did several hours a day of teaching us the show basically, and they're like, you get to learn the show, and it was actually um, was it paid. I don't think it was paid. Well, that was that was going to be my next question. So when you go and do these auditions, yeah. this is all out of your pocket, right? Yeah, you don't pay for, yeah, you don't get paid for anything. Right. So how how can you sustain yourself at this point to go to a two-week uh interview, basically interview, like sustained yeah. interview, right? Uh I was uh, at that time it was good timing for me, unfortunately for other people. Excuse me. <laughs> For me, it was good timing, but unfortunately for other people, it's not like um, they might have they. For me, it was a, it was a gradual uh, gradual progression of like, okay, I got out of college, uh, went to a Disney cruise ship, so I was fortunate enough to save that money. I guess that's the other caveat of, of being yeah. on a cruise ship: you're not spending any money, right? Everything unless, unless for, it's right? on booze. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be quite frank and honest. <laughs> that's all we spent money on was booze, and if you like. Spend money on uh, clothing if you get to Cozumel or whatever that and all that kind of jazz. But or if you pay for something when you get off, um, at like 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 a, like a, an island, uh, St. Sure. St. St. Thomas, St. Martin, whatever it was that you were doing at the time. Uh, so I I just came off of that. So I had some some stuff saved away, <laughs> and I was able to like invest in some of that money. And so I was okay to survive for two weeks. But in the back of my mind, I was like, all right, if I don't get this. Then it's time to crack the code and, and maybe audition for something else. Because yeah. eventually that yeah. money's going to work. Is going to is going to deplete. Right. So uh, for some other people, I know that they were in New York City hustling at the time, teaching or maybe working at Dunkin' Donuts or working at Starbucks or doing something to get to get some kind of yeah. means of income and yeah. to have their finances. And uh, when is this again? This was in 2006. Right. So Uber, all that stuff wasn't really there Nothing yet. existed, yeah. Yeah. But at that time, in New York, yellow taxis are... Yeah, well, I was, I was thinking more of a supplemental income while they're, they're trying... Sure. You know, pe- there could be multiple people in, in a hotel room yeah. trying to hopefully get all their friends, and then if the friends don't make <laughs> it, 
That's going to be a, a harder conversation yeah, that they got to have, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. And in, in New York City, if you're in the dance world or if you're in the musical theater world, you you tend to know someone who's already there and established. Right. So during the uh, and by by the way, the first round of auditions was was November. As soon as I got off, it was like October, November. I think I said previously, and then they said, "Okay, you're going to come back in January." Oh wow! I'll never forget it because it was right. It was during my birthday. I traveled up to New York City on an Amtrak with one bag. I think a book bag and a guitar and a, and a, and a suitcase. <laughs> I was like, well, I got to take this with me. In the back of my mind saying, I'm going to go and smash out the next two weeks of this. They, they called it a workshop. Yeah. Uh, that did not, I don't think it, no, it didn't pay. It did not pay. So we, I, I was schlepping it on my buddy Scott and Steve's couch in Queens. I'll never forget. And I still keep in touch with these guys. Scott and Steve were, were on the cruise ship with me. Okay, cool. So I was already friends with this, cool, cool, these cool. guys. And I was like, hey, I got this audition, blah, 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 and a callback. And, blah, blah, blah. and they're like, cool, we got a couch you can stay on. So uh, so we did the callback for several weeks. And now they're really starting to dive in. They're like, mm-hmm. the next two to three weeks is going to be, okay, we're going to teach you this. We're going to teach you that. We're going to basically teach you as much of the show as possible to see if you can cut it. And we were to the point where we were running, we were running routines with the twenty people that were there. That's incredible. So they would, they would, they would say, "Okay, Justin," and and the creator, by the way, Luke Cresswell, was there during the audition. If you look at the wow. original HBO special, he's like the lead guy. Uh-huh. Um, who he's from UK, he's from Brighton, England, and he would talk, he talks like this. He's like, oh, <laughs> he's like, oh Justin, uh, let's get you up on the, uh, let's get you up on the blues, and then uh, we're gonna get you okay, all right. And you're like, what? I'm sorry, what'd you say? He's like, oh, show you, make sure you're all right. Oh, it's on the end of five, and then uh, yeah, it's on the end of six. Yep, that's it. And you're like, what? <laughs> so you had to like that, that was my first but it, for you when I know earlier when we were talking you, yeah. you said you interviewed um, somebody and you were just like oh my god like right the whole time. so nervous for me yeah, yeah. he he was that guy Luke Cresswell was that guy and um, <laughs> I was sorry about that no Hopefully that's okay it's an edit you can do but no uh, so Luke Cresswell was that guy he was like he was the the oh my god it's Luke Cresswell like I looked up to this guy you know mm-hmm. as as far as like body percussion goes and stomp yeah yeah so he was there and he's one of the he's the owner he's the creator he it's because of him stomp happened and the other guy his his buddy Steve McNicholas is more of the like the theatrical brains behind the show so the he was inside making sure yeah, everything looks yeah. good right and the two of them coincided and made stomp what it is today mm-hmm. with a bunch of other of course technical aspects but. He was there workshopping with us. There was another lady, Fiona, who was originally, she's also on the HBO special. So all these people, all these like important people, important people were there. And I'm like, once I got over the fact that in my mind, they're, they're celebrities. So in my mind, I was like, oh my God, they're teaching me the show. And um, once you kind of got past that, you get more comfortable with them. You start to, to you know, you're not going to like, hey, buddy, how's it going? But you're just like, <laughs> you're a little bit less prone to just come up and say, hey, I'm, I have a question about this part. Right, and right, they, right. and they're very, they were very nice. I just remember how wicked nice they were. And um, so they, they taught us a, 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 a load of stuff. And then they, they did like... To the point where we were running routines with mm-hmm. like, okay, let's have you do this. Let's have you do this. Uh, let, let's have you do this. So they were very smart about the, the typecasting, but also at the same time being like, okay, where does this person actually fit in this show? Right. Which I thought was absolutely phenomenal because when I've gone to auditions for Disney and other types of shows, they typecast. They want, they, I mean, I, I've, I've, I've seen people show up to a Disney audition and they, they line you up from, from head to toe, left to right, and they'll be like, Okay, if if you're not f- more than five foot two, you can leave. I mean, that's how oh, wow. that's how brutal it is. Yeah, and people will travel across the world 
to 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 audition. People come from right. France. People come to UK. But it's their it's their whole image that they got to look at. Yeah, like man. They, they have to look at their brand. Yeah. And with with other parts or other uh, productions, I would imagine it's more talent trying to make sure what blends in. Like sure. what we were talking about with the uh, the Tina Turner thing and the and Whitney Houston. Yeah. Is figuring out who fits who, who gels. Fits. Yeah. Yeah. And who fits on who can handle the tour life. Right. That was the that was the biggest thing. Uh, I know we're jumping all over the place, but with Tina. And the Whitney and the Showtime Australia is the the housing. Yeah, I mean it's a nineteen year old kid that's that's drumming. Yeah, and not to say he he not to say that he wasn't built for the road, but it's just for the for that Whitney for that powerhouse and that. Yeah, Tina. and then they yeah. were like they were looking into the future of the Tina show, and they just needed they just needed a powerhouse for that. And uh, I I for me, if you were to classify my chops on drums, it's it's rock and funk. Right. So and with those is a good stability of and of course a little bit of jazz, but. Those those styles can help you kind of branch off, branch off, branch off, branch off, uh, yeah, branch, branch. <laughs> it's almost like branching and dancing, just branching. <laughs> it's the form of branching and dancing at the same time, everybody. And I branched off <laughs> into other genres of like reggae and 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 uh, right, a little bit of like R and B and 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 like I said, funk. Yeah. So, uh, but they look at your. I think during the the for Stomp and of course with Whitney, if you hang around long enough, like with Stomp, they did two to three weeks of conditioning and workshopping, and me hanging out with the tour life with like I said my girlfriend and and Jono and and mm-hmm. all the all the cats mm-hmm. and and Ben the tour manager and all those guys they you become you get you you develop a relationship like even with Ron Vento when you guys I listened yeah. to that podcast which was an amazing podcast by the way that was a great episode Thanks. he talked a lot about. Building a relationship with with the with your clientele or with the person that wants to come in to cut an album and yeah. it's not just a one and done thing. Right. It's like if you really want this to work and the longevity of things, you got to hang around for a bit. And for me, it, it it speaks to me when it when it came to this. I was hanging around a lot. I've toured. I've traveled with these guys in, a, in tight confined spaces. Hung around the theater, and these guys are like, okay, he's wrote. They already knew I was with Tap Dogs and I did Stomp. Right. But I proved them validation is the word i'm looking for it was validated that okay he could he could cut the cake and he could he could be on tour and he can hang out he's not a he's not a dweeb he's not a dickhead he's a nice guy <laughs> pays to be i mean it's just truth man you gotta be nice you gotta be nice well, and you see and when you're on the and like back to stomp now for those two to three weeks of training i'm i mean the minute you walk through that door not even just drumming wise. You could be the sickest musician. You could be like the dopest, dopest. And I've seen some of the guys that I was next to that I was training with. Uh, one of them, one of my, is, is still my best friend to this day, Alex Simon, uh, who's out there right now, just smashing, smashing, smashing it in in Ohio and touring with a band called Pieces of a Dream. And he's just he's out there living his life right now. And and we talk on a daily basis. Uh, he was also one of the other guys mm-hmm. that I was competing with, but we became best friends. During the process, and he made it. By the way, he we nice, both we nice. both got to tour together. I mean, we split off at some point. He stayed in New York, and I went on tour. Sure. But like at some point, we we gelled and we became best friends. I mean, I I pooped next to this guy. I, I fought <laughs> a fight with this guy. I've cried in his arms. Like he's one of my best friends. He's gonna be when I get married. He's gonna yeah. be up there with me, and I'm, I'm gonna tell my wife like this is this is my boy. Like that's great. He that's came great. before you. You know, <laughs> I'm just I'm kidding. Yeah, but that's that's such an intense situation to so, be in, and, yeah. and, and, and we eat dinner next to lunch yeah. with these guys, and the whole time in the back of your head, you're thinking, okay, like I'm competing with this person, but he's such a nice guy at the same time. And right. so even he talks about it. He does podcasts and radio radio interviews all the time, and I feel like. 
him and I have the same message. Be nice. It pays to be nice. Not I'm talking like kiss, 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 right. kiss, kiss. But you just have to be, in general, you just have to be a good person. Well, I think uh, one of the things that I talk about on this show that I've mentioned before is that people are people. Like, mm. it's cool to just be like a good, genuine person. And that'll get you much further than you being just like a competitive jerk or trying to like eke out your own existence compared to all these other people and really try to, if you build that relationship in there, if you, if you talk to people like they're actual people and not beneath you, yeah, that'll get you so much further than anything else. Yes. And then you'll be surprised who actually will talk to you. Like for, for your example with the, the, the creator of stomp, mm. you can actually talk to that person like an actual human being, yes. not like someone that's on a pedestal, uh, even though they, they might be right. Uh, but <laughs> you can talk to them like a, a normal human being yeah. and that'll go much further than anything else. Absolutely. And it's, it's always something that I've forgotten sometimes. It depends on who I'm meeting. Right. Yeah. That I'm just looking up to them and be like, I don't know why I'm here, but the, if you just talk to them like you're a regular person, they'll embrace you all the way through. All the way and through. I, I love it. Yeah. No, I've seen people like go beyond the like the call yeah. of duty, yeah, and they, yeah. they step over that red line, and they're just like you could tell they're just doing it just to do it. But the minute you get more respect out of just being a normal person, just like hey, I got a question about this, or just hanging out with them. And there was times after, I mean, it's 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 needless to say, but when I made it, and my best friend Alec made it, and my other my other friend Mike Sylvia, like people that I still keep in contact, they're just good friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alec being my best friend. Uh, we got, we got, I mean, we got, uh, uh, Luke Cresswell on speed dial. I mean, he's, he's just a That's normal, crazy. he's just a normal dude. Yeah. And he, I mean, Luke's still doing his thing. He's still creating. He's still stomp still out there. Uh, they have the lost and found orchestra, which is like stomp on steroids, but it's a more orchestrated version. Right, right, right. Like I'm talking like 50 people on stage and it's just massive, huge orchestra that I think they do it in the UK once in a while. I'm not sure. I haven't heard much about them lately, but okay. he's still out there smashing it, putting... He does a lot of film now, a lot of film. They actually have something called Wild Ocean or... I, 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 no, it's not Wild Ocean. It's something to do with uh, uh, the, 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 the ocean and, and animals. Uh, animals and I sound like a, a dipshit right now. Sure. But just like it, it was done in, in Max, like at IMAX theaters. Oh, okay. But the okay. premise was not only did it visually look good, it sounded amazing because hmm. the one thing that they had... Uh, fine tune with Stomp was how can we, how could we make music on a stage in huge theaters like five thousand seat theaters, uh, for the audience to enjoy like a, a tiny little matchbox. Right. How can we hear that right. with all the that sound the design has to be incredibly oh, precise. Oh man, the sound design is insane for that show. Absolutely oh. insane. So they're really good with that. So they were really good with visual, with film, with sound. And hanging around these guys for like six or seven years and just hearing them talk shop again. Here mm-hmm. we go back to that talk shop and listening. It pays to mm-hmm. listen. It was like free college for me. I mean, it's like paid free college. But, that's you know. fantastic. So um, we'll jump around a little bit. Uh, as, we, as we had. It's like yeah. this, this episode has been on shuffle. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's more. We haven't, we've, we've done a lot of your performance, of your big performances, right? Yeah, we but dove we, in on that, didn't we? We haven't, <laughs> yeah. So I, I feel slightly bad that I'm going to take more of your time. No, but, no, uh, no, no. I Not that great. Not that bad. Because um, nah, we haven't even talked about the stuff that you've done with your Justin Miles experience. Mm. 
right? So the the stuff that your your foray into getting a band and trying to bring dance into that band, yes, and then going back into like your bigger shows, like Tap Dogs, is now like international sensation. You've been doing the the Tina Turner and Whitney Houston stuff too, but we got to look at some of the small stuff that you've been doing, which sure. is your band that you did. I don't know if you're still trying to pursue it or not, but mm. that's something that I always thought was fantastic that you can do all these other stuff. And then when you come back home, you're still trying to push yourself in a completely different direction. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about how you started that band. Uh, some of the stuff that you might still want to do about it. I don't sure. know if you're still actively pursuing it or not. And then that idea of, we talked a little bit about playing guitar and tap dancing at the same time. At the same time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which people try to wrap their heads around to this day. Um, shortly after I got off tour with Stomp in like 2011, um, towards the end, what I could see that light at the end of the tunnel being like, you know what, I feel like my time with this show is kind of maybe sort of depleting a little bit. Uh, it was around like 2008, 2009, um, I had met uh, a good buddy of mine, Craig Stevens, who plays with a band called Funk U uh, out of D.C., and he was friends with the company manager, Kathy Crawford. They're like best friends. Um, uh, so the company manager of of Stomp, Kathy Crawford, introduced me to Craig. Craig's from like, at the time, was living in Arlington. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yo, man, yeah, it's all the show, man. That's how he talks. He's like, yo, it'd be great <laughs> if we can get you to play some drums, man. I got need a drummer for Funk U, blah, blah, blah. And if he's listening, he's going to crack up. But uh, he uh, he hired me on. It was a couple open mics. I used to travel up to D.C. to do open mics. Right. And I think the first time he heard me, he was like, yo, man, you got some pocket, bro. Like, yeah, he goes, <laughs> not bad. He said, not bad for a white boy on the drums, man. He's got like, some yeah, soul on you. You got some soul, brother. You got that foot. You got a heavy foot on you. <laughs> not as good as Sugarfoot, but you're good. And I was like, so the open mics... For me, it was the first time. A lot of guys have their own story around here even. Um, right. But for me, the, playing the open mics, I was – yeah, I was playing guitar. But when I met him, it was more about drumming because obviously I was doing stomp. So it was very heavily influenced in the drumming aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I, I hung around at a place called 219 in Alexandria off of King Street. And I think it's still there. <laughs> I don't know if they're doing open mics anymore. Uh, but he was like, yeah, I got a gig this next whatever Saturday coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was on a break from Stomp at the time, and he was like, "Do you want to play it?" And I did, and I did, and it was mostly like Parliament and George Clinton, like a lot of like flashlight. Yeah. It was just remember how fun it was just to just to bury the pocket during some of this funk music. Um, so I kind of kept that in the back of my in my pocket. So for a while there, I was playing in this funk band after I got off tour with Stomp because I moved back to the area. I moved right. back to Callaway, believe it or not. I had right. a little 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 dinky apartment <laughs> off of Smith's Lane there in Callaway. <laughs> and to this day, nothing beats that place. It was such a cool little place. I loved it. And the guy that uh, that ran it, was he was so cool. Brian is his name. Um, so I would travel up the road like an hour and a half. All the gigs that we played were up the road. Yeah. Alexandria, yeah. D.C., even like Delaware. Like, whew, man, we were traveling a lot. So that was the first time for me not traveling with a professional show after all these years. And then jumping in my Jeep with a drum kit in the back and playing uh, in a funk band. That was that was probably one of your first proper bands then, right? It was, technically, yeah. Yeah, yeah technically it was. I had played with uh, Matt Garrett as well, mm-hmm. um, not to leave him out of the, out of the mix. Uh, he had a thing called MGT. And to be fair enough, to actually get the story correct, <laughs> during the Funk You stuff, he, Matt needed a bass player. 
Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, besides all the like coming back from break and, and, and playing drums for Matt and all that stuff, which was like little like, oh, I happen to have this gig open for you. It's not like I was a part of a band. Right, right. At this point, I was just like, hey, I, I have a, a benefit at the firehouse. So I got this gig at the at the Suts and Shuts. I got the at Harbor Sounds at the point. He had gigs there. And that's when I first met Craig, uh, Greg and uh, and Joe from Hydra Effects. Mm-hmm. This is all during the stomp days. But like I still wasn't a part. I didn't have I was still like the ugly duckling that didn't have his, <laughs> his family. You know what I mean? But playing these little one offs was really great. Yeah, Because you're just going in and trying to find a, a spot that you fit sure. in for a second. Absolutely. Then, yeah. I'm like this. I'm not saying, but at the time, I was like, "Here, I'm this big shot touring with a with a show that plays theaters." When I come back here, I'm no one. It was just like, <laughs> no, I was, I was nobody. I was like, who is this guy? Who's That's got to be an interesting dynamic for yourself. Yeah, like, well, it's you... very humbling because it was just like cool. Like it just it rooted me. It rooted it. Like looking yeah. back on it, like I didn't have to talk about stomp too much. And I, I hung out with close friends. I was hanging out with Mike Dar- Dameron at the time, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and all that. And even it got to the point where we were hanging on a nightly basis. And I, I couldn't. I had to itch. I was always like doing <laughs> stuff. And to this day, I mean, him and I laugh about it. But he he'd be like he'd be like, all right, tonight we're going out, no stomping. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You got it. <laughs> Unless we were drunk somewhere at someone's house in a garage, and then right, everyone's right. like, teach me this one part of right, uh, right. You, know, so we would, you know. But it got to the point where like your closest friends at the time would just be like, hey man, don't don't do that, you know, because it's so funny. Don't bring your work home with you, Justin, you know. Right, but, and um, it's I think that's interesting too because you're looking at people that you grew up with, mm. and they look at you as that person that was on stage mm. uh at seven or eight years old and being in that white tux that's that's <laughs> that's how they remind you they remember yeah. you right and it's some of them yes if the ones that were around at the time i mean Dameron wasn't around at that time but like i'm sure if aaron hears the show aaron escalopia he'll be like oh god i remember when <laughs> tab dancing fool came on stage right and- but that's that's how they they know you right it's not to a point yeah yeah but it, it's not like this big superstar ish no, that's going out no. like you're you're coming back home and you're you're coming back home like yeah. we we know who you are like Ex- don't kid ex- yourself exactly exactly yeah. and it, it was very humbling from the get go to to experience that and to see like someone again like the good charlotte thing happen uh, it, you see them on like MTV yeah. playing yeah. Uh, little things those right. little things and it's just like oh my god i know these guys they're yeah. from here yeah because when you got back here in 2011, 2012, I think that's when they started breaking, if I remember right. Maybe even a little bit before that. I don't, I don't... Well, with the Benny and Joel thing, because I mean, the whole it's it's not like a reality TV show, but it's like a very dramatic, a lot of things. Like Aaron left because they yeah. went through their thing. And it, you know, to this day, I think they're pretty much, I think they're all still friends, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I'm talking out of my ass now, but... There, there were so many different thing, avenues that happened with once the spotlight, uh, even Ron talked about it the other day in your, in your episode, um, he was like, uh, once someone gets signed from the area, Sam Grow, or if it's Good Charlotte, that spotlight now becomes mm-hmm. on Southern Maryland or, or mm-hmm. Waldorf, if you will. They said Naptown, blah, blah, blah. So like, there was a bunch of different avenues that, that went on with like, uh, experimental bands like Wakefield, and then like you know a lot of a lot of stuff like that. Aaron left uh, Good Charlotte, went to Wakefield, and Wakefield demolished or d- just kind of just depleted. Not yeah. on a bad note, but it's, I think this kind of everyone just kind of get over it, and right. that's a whole other ball game, a whole other <laughs> conversation. Um, but yeah, to come home it was a very humbling experience to hang out with everybody and not have to bring work out to to like just just being normal just to, yeah. to go down to the green door and and just be normal and play that's beer great pong. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and to come back into like the, the scheme of things so i played with with funk you for a couple years and then i played with matt garrett a couple times uh but i, I the one thing i told these guys is like i will never commit to a band 
<laughs> I won't commit because I don't know what's next. Yeah, right. Yeah. And meanwhile, I'm teaching part time at my mom's studio here mm-hmm. uh, on the side when I moved back. So that was like that was like my full time full time job. Even right. though it was part time, it was full time. Then I would dabble here and there with like playing an acoustic gig, but it scared the living shit out of me to play by myself. Believe it or not, I'm on stage touring with with Stomp, and I'm, I'm like doing all these things and making people clap. Uh, you know, five thousand people clap all simultaneously. I come home to a small place, and I'm like. Not saying small, but I'm like you play a small bar somewhere, and to, to the the thought of playing acoustically, like scared the it scared the shit out of me, so, and it still does to this day. Believe it or not, there's a little bit of stage fright there. It's just a I've, different 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 uh, demographic. Yeah, I've had this question for some people, and uh, they they've always answered it, and I think in a unique way, mm. where you can feel bigger than what you are sometimes. When you're playing against five, six, seven thousand people, right? But when you draw back and you're mm. playing against ten people that are actually staring intently at you, uh. sometimes it feels way more intense. It's so intense. Yeah, because it's, it's way more personal, right? Oh yeah. Like you're looking at their eyeballs, looking at your eyeballs. Yeah. That's got to be something that I I, I would never want to do. Uh, ever <laughs> like I, I I don't need them it's to see me scary, sweat man. the entire time. It's super scary. The the craziest gig that I think I've ever done. Not saying it's crazy, but it, the most bizarre. And I don't mean this in a bad way. It was with Dylan Galvin. Him and mm-hmm. I used to do once in a while. We would do like these pop up acoustic duo gigs, and we got hired to play a private party. And Dylan was like, yeah, it's a company party. It's a private party. It's a company thing. In my mind, I'm thinking, okay, maybe it's going to be in an event center somewhere, right. like, a, oh, like a hotel, right. like ballroom. I'm not saying like lights and, and, and like glamour, but we ended up showing up at the address. It was at someone's house Oh wow! in the living room. So we didn't need a sound system. And they expected me to tap dance. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, like, imagine being, like, it almost felt like a Christmas family, like, yeah, get together. Yeah. Everyone's there in sweaters, the fire's going, and then here, me and Dylan are uh, singing songs with no sound system, that's and I have you, a little tap board, and there's, like, ten people there at the max. That's when you know some people have too much money, when they can, like, <laughs> privately enlist you to dance for them, like... It was just, it was it was bizarre, you know what I mean. But it was also humbling at the same time and very interesting. I'm mean, gonna look back and I laugh at it, and it's like you can only make this stuff up. The other the other bizarre gig I've ever did too was someone said, "Hey, I want you to play music for this for this event," mm-hmm. and I think people use that word event very lightly. I'm not lying. They're like, "There's an event, and it's happening in La Plata," and I'm like, "Cool, cool." So in my head, I'm thinking, "Okay, I gotta get the sound system ready. I gotta get all this stuff that I've paid money for and." You know, I think it paid like, I don't know. It was like, they were like, we only need you for an hour though. And I was like, an hour? Okay. And I said, okay, what kind of an event is this? And they're like, oh, it's a, it's a real estate opening house event. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. And I've already committed to it. I can't say no. I've, I've, I've like very, very rarely have I turned yeah. down gigs. I show up to the house and it's like, literally it is what it is. And they're like, cool. If you just want to stand here in the corner and play whatever you want to play, I think it was the one time I said, oh I don't think I can tap dance on this floor. Right. Because I don't want to ruin it. Yeah, you don't want to ruin it. But yeah. in the back of my head, I was like, I don't want to tap dance <laughs> at this event. So it was an opening house for, 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 a, for a house. A That's... real estate agent had hired me to go stand in a house to play music. You know, it's a marvelous night for a moon. Mm-hmm. And people are just like, walk, they walk into, and I think I did it in the kitchen. So they walk in the kitchen and they're like, 
oh, this is the kitchen. Okay. And they got like these pamphlets and they're like, oh, and there's, there's the stove and there's the, ki- there's the, there's the, the, and there's the refrigerator. Just a guy. And there's a guy standing over there playing like, music just with no sound system, of course, because it's a small, it's just bizarre. And like a couple of, I can't tell you how many times I say, oh, does this come for the house too? Is this, is this, is this a part of the package? Am I paying? That's, am I paying eight point nine percent mortgage for this guy too for this house? That's like when it uh, when it doesn't ring up at the register. Oh, it must be free. Must be free. Must. This guy comes with the territory. He's the he's the accessory. Uh, is he an accessory? Or is he just an add on? That's know. that's hilarious. That's god. That's got to be unnerving. Like that. Ugh. It was nerve wracking, man. Yeah. It has nothing. It, it, and I don't want people to get me wrong. It has nothing to do with like oh the big shot. He's on the road touring with Stomp and he's doing this and all that and he can't come home. Put yourself in that situation. I mean, for some people, they might be like, oh, it's really cool. But for me, I just it was uncomfortable because I'm standing in a corner with an acoustic guitar while people are walking in and out of the, of the house for a house opening, uh, open house for a real estate right. agent. It was That's just so, so bizarre. weird, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But when, I mean, I'm not at all not being like, oh, it's negative or anything. It's right. Just, it was just so freaking bizarre, man. So when did you start <laughs> writing your music, your own, your own stuff? Or were you doing mostly covers? Since high school. Okay. Since high school, the guitar was always a part of the, the the puzzle, right? But to play it was never. It was I would I would play it in the confines of like a recording studio or like mm-hmm. whatever little thing I had messing with at the time. But I was always yeah. I think it all the, the songwriting started in high school when I I think I, like the first song I wrote was to like a girlfriend I dated at the time. And it was so <laughs> so messed up. Yeah, just like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just stupid, stupid shit like that. Uh, but as as time went on, as time as I matured through college, uh, a lot of a lot of uh, when I was when I was so sick of dance, I would I would then soon turn to the guitar and be like, all right, this is my outlet. This is my music is my outlet right now, and I would just record on my PC, my gateway. Mm-hmm. I had this little gateway with a little mixer and a mic, like just similar setup with a microphone and like a little. Like Jerry rigged uh, input to the mm-hmm. to the one eighth mm-hmm. jack headphone jack from my guitar with like a slight buzz in the background because something was not something <laughs> yeah, wasn't grounded it was right. not supposed in that to dorm be room. that way yeah yeah and I probably have like recordings of to this day somewhere buried in an MP3 file <laughs> of just me trying to sing and be like mm. on tune in tune yeah. but then as I as, as as time went on and I I think I put out a single like I don't know how I did it oh yeah we were we were just ripped CDRs at the time never yeah. remember the word CDR was yeah. like oh I got a CDR drive I got a CDR <laughs> drive I got a CDR drive I remember making mixes my favorite thing uh, in the early two thousands was to make my own mix yeah and then I remember so I, I I was so excited to have a printable CD drive yes to where I could get the whole artwork so I'm making I'm <laughs> yes. making I'm making these mixed CDs and making them mostly for myself but then if someone wanted a CD that I would, I would go ahead and make it yeah and I was so excited because what I would find are songs that blended the most together cool right? cool cool so my biggest crowning achievement being one song ended in claps another song started with claps and it, they were completely different songs, but you could never tell the transition. The transition. And, and it was it together. perfect. Yes. And then I remember oh, there was a program called Nero. Nero CD. Yes. Yeah, I, I remember I, this. Yes, okay? yes, yes, yes. And I Download rem- Nero, bro. Download yes, Nero. Okay. Yes. Because I was able to uh, get the, the CD program 
it would allow me to cut and blend and fade songs in between each other. Yes. So I was able to figure out how to actually, like almost like a whole radio. Yes. Right? Absolutely. So it would fade down, fade up. I, I thought I was king shit. Like, it, yeah, it was amazing. It was a good program for its time. It was still kick-ass, man. And I, I really wish that I still had something like that because doing a playlist just online, it doesn't have the same feel nah. or satisfaction at all. No. Like, having that one finite, like, you can only put 15 <laughs> songs on here. That was it. You have yeah. to make... Yeah, it was... You have to make sure that the uh, the order is correct, too. You can't oh, just put yeah. it on shuffle. You got to make sure that you're hitting the moods in there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was it was my, my whole like creative outlet for for years. Oh, man, you're more it, advanced than me, man. I, I was just like burn a CD for a friend that was taking a six-hour road trip. Be like, well, here, man, I made a, I made a CD for it. Because it was super easy to do. Yeah, like, Nero, you yeah. just go, you go import, import. Within a matter of three minutes, especially if you had like one of those uh, CD-ROM drives that had like the 32X. Right, right, right. right. It would like, <laughs> done. Yeah, like, like how did that burn that hour and a half CD in like two minutes? Just... Yeah, it was it was always amazing to me, and then I got super excited that I was able to print out and do like my own graphics. Cover art. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you were uh, way ahead of the time, dude. I was, I, was, I was a little nerd with it, and it was it was. That I, had was my... I had a sharpie. I was like mix <laughs> mix two thousand and two for Scott, mix two thousand two right. for Cheryl, and just I like... really I really wish that I had some of that stuff. Um, Cause I would go back and I would definitely, cause my music hasn't changed either. Oh wow! Like that's the other that's the other thing that I, I I've noticed. Mm. Uh, I was reading something where uh, it said once you get past like seventeen or eighteen, your musical taste is pretty much established and you don't grow too much past that. Really? Yeah. Interesting. So I'm thinking about it now, and like the music that I listen to now. Definitely all that stuff that was on that mix CD. Oh wow, cool! Definitely all of it. At least genre-wise, right? And tasteful, yeah. taste-wise, yeah. Kind of, because I remember <laughs> there. Now that I'm thinking about it, there was um, there was a, a huge phase of me trying to be like two early two thousands grunge alternative. Yeah, for sure. So like Earshot and uh, not lit. It was something. Uh, Take my picture. I don't remember what. Oh, that filter. Was. Filter. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was there was this whole like that was my defining genre that I was trying to listen to for a little bit, and I was oh, like, "Sick, cool. this is all garbage." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's another band, garbage. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Perfect. All right. But yes. Okay. So now that we've gone off on a tangent, another no. tangent. Um, this is the tangent episode. <laughs> uh, I want to get to where you're playing live with a band. Sure. More. Um, so yet funk you, you started the experience. Experience um, came later, and then you super had, late, yeah, super late, yeah. Were you, you were also doing piranhas, piranhas, too, yeah, right. So that was the first established band. That was like, okay. the, I will say yes to you guys. I will, we will do this because it actually started out. It was yeah, it, funk you was a, 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 a commitment, uh, but then the piranhas was more local and it was more mm-hmm. unified, and I couldn't make the out of town dates as well as funk you and. Uh, uh, which I still play. Literally out of town. Out of town. Yeah. Like you're you're traveling an hour to two to three. Yeah. Only because of where you live too. Ex- exactly. Yeah. And it was a lot of out of town gigs, and uh, I really wanted to try something different, and be versatile. I mean, I committed to Funk You, but it, but it was to the point where uh, the, the MD, the musical director of Funk yeah. You, was like, all right, if you can't give me full time. It's no, he's like no big deal, and I I still play with those guys to this day once in a while because now it's just like pop up shows. Um, he was like, if you can't commit now, it's cool. I'll just I'll find somebody else. And then 
uh, I'll call you when you need time. So I jumped over to the Damon Brothers. It was the mm. Damon Brothers at the time. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Okay, yeah. It's okay. a little walk through memory lane there. And then uh, and it eventually became Piranhas. There was just the three of us. Uh, I was playing 100% just drums at the time. And then we added on, uh, at, at some point, we added on uh, it's, it's several other other musicians. Uh, like Dylan actually came in to play with us for a bit. A couple other guys came in in, in, in a bit. And that was around 2010-ish, 1-ish, mm-hmm. 11-ish, 1-ish, mm-hmm. listen to me. <laughs> and then I think around 2012... We started. We still did some stuff, but then I had I I eventually left the band. I was like, right. yeah, due to like some different uh, some some differences and stuff. I stepped out of the band. They continued on, and then after a few months is when I started to do the solo thing. I was like, well, I gotta make. I kind of had this little area of my life where I was getting some some substantial funds mm-hmm. from playing with the Piranhas all the time. I needed to fill that that gap. Yeah. So I was like, well, I gotta start playing music. <laughs> and uh, I, I did the solo thing for a while. I just went by Justin Miles mm-hmm. at the point at the time, um, and I didn't. Even, I, I didn't. I wasn't even tap dancing during the shows. I think I was just doing my thing. And I think I, I tried to be that guy that had the loop pedal at one point. And I was just like, I'm going to be Jeremy Loops. And I was totally. At some point, I could get away with it. At some points, I couldn't. Um, and then I was talking to my other good friend Mark, and he was like, "Play to your strengths, bro. Play to your strengths." And I was like, Ah, I get what he's saying. So I started bringing out the tap shoes, and it was the most bizarre thing. I would never rehearse ahead of time. I would always just do it on the spot. Okay. So, like, I had the loop pedal. So, uh, for instance, to give you an example, I would play, like, Moon Dance, and I would loop, just like somebody would loop something yeah. and take a solo. I couldn't solo. I can't solo this day as far as guitar, <laughs> guitar solos. And uh, I think Rusty Williams at the time was like, he was like, well, just, he was like, solo with your feet. And I was like, all right. So then I would solo with my feet. Because he was also there playing percussion once yeah, in a while yeah, when, yeah. I, when I had the opportunity. I mean, if he wasn't playing with somebody else, he came in to play with me. And uh, so that became my voice was my, my tap shoes, if right, you will. Right, So then him and I would trade off once in a while. And I don't know if it was him or an old, old friend of mine, George Allen. We used to work on like the country radio station back in the day. Uh, I kind of have to pay homage to him. He kind of just – he's that – George was this guy that like kind of comes back into your life for like a hot second – <laughs> and gives you like the best advice that you ever had, and then just and then and then he's gone. <laughs> like no, seriously, I'm like he came in, and I'm like, it just like popped up out of nowhere, and it was just like George, what's up, man? And he's like, oh, I'm living in West Virginia now, and he was hanging out visiting someone here, and we went out for dinner, and he saw a show that I was playing, okay, and he's like, man, it's Justin Miles, Justin Miles, it's it's like an experience, and he's like, think about that, and he was like, Justin Miles experience, and it's kind of like a tap on the shoulder and then off he went back to West Virginia and I haven't spe- I haven't spoke to the guy maybe a couple emails here and there but I haven't spoke to the guy he's that guy that just shows up like uh, gives you just sage advice and just be like, just like insane like the guy should have taken huge percentages of God I hope he's not here because then he's gonna be like let me think about this but no I think I cut like musical he works at a radio station I think I did like voiceover work sure. for him just as a payment kind sure. of thing so but anyways that's how Just Miles Experience came out Okay. Not to compare it to like Jimi Hendrix experience, but it was a different experience to kind of put it in a different light, you know? It was and one then, of the more unique things that I've seen and I've seen a, a bunch of bands. Yeah. And it was something that was completely different and really separated itself from the pack yeah, to be able absolutely. to I feel like bring both pieces of yourself to it. Yeah. Cuz it it, I, it was a hybrid for sure. Yeah, and no one I'm, has ever been ta- I mean, don't get me wrong, people have always sang and played guitar at some point in tap dance but 
Um, not sort of at the same time. My buddy, my buddy Anthony Russo does it. I mean, I'm sure if you Google it, you'll see guys all the time. But it was definitely something different at the, at its time in this area. Sure. sure, 100%. And then I think for you, that was probably one of the first times where you're getting both of your worlds whole. They, they just merged together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, like, who are you? Who are you? I don't know. Well, let's do this, you know. So it became it became a thing. It became a thing, and I would I would play do du- I would do the duo with Rusty, uh, even with Dylan. Dylan would be like, "Yeah, I got this gig for us on Saturday. Can you come out and play it? It's, it's at such such blah blah blah." I'm not talking like I'm talking like a proper gig, yeah, yeah. not like at a real estate opening house. <laughs> but it, and then he was like, "Cool, cool." And the last I was like, "Here it comes, here it comes." It would be Paul's on the phone, and he'd be like, Are "You gonna bring your tap shoes?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Yes." He's like, "Okay, don't forget your tap shoes and your board." Okay, bye. Click. So like once in a while, and I was so, all the all my musician friends just knew it. They would always want me to bring out my tap shoes, but I, I but for me it was I, I don't know if it was a complex or something. I was like still, it was almost like the 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 now this has become like a therapy session. It was almost like the the kid from first grade with the top hat yeah. came out and was super bugged out about it. Like yeah. like oh this is terrifying. This is super terrifying. Right. So there was only a couple shows where I really let myself go. To this day, it's fine. I still get scared of shit. But to this, I mean, then it was still, it was like, I've even like not tap danced during gigs and I can hear Dylan being like, come on, man, just do it. And like people being like, come on, just do it. But there was something that was holding me back from really like really going for it. Sure. I was just super state stage shy because it, 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 it's, it's hard to explain, but when people start hearing tap dance, it either, <laughs> it, it either like pisses them off. <laughs> <laughs> Because they don't see that. I get see it, that. yeah. Yeah, because you're at a restaurant eating pork chops, and all of a sudden this guy's playing like moon dance, and all of a sudden he goes, but I can totally see where it'd be annoying. Yeah. But then like the person off table number seven might think it's the coolest freaking thing they've seen right. since sliced bread. So there was also that aspect where it was like, I could see, I'm, I'm I can read people, man. I can read people. I don't know if it's because I'm a Capricorn, but. Like oh, I'm God. not dumb, sure. but I can read people's energy, and like a lot of people say, "Oh, don't let it get to you, don't get let it to you." But I'm like, "No, no, no! I know what's going on. I see what's happening." It wasn't me being paranoid. Some of it was probably paranoia and the, the little one uh, first grader in me coming out. But like, it, it got it got super like I got like a complex from performing and tap dancing in like small places like that because I felt like I was I was not doing a disservice, but I was I was like uh, like like just annoying people. Right. You know, they just want right. to hear. They want to hear. And I. And the thing is, the thing that doesn't make it better is when you actually have people come up to you. Like you know how you get that honest Joe at the show that gives you notes, gives you yeah. like criticism. Yeah. Like oh man, you sounded good. You were a little loud for that, and I thought you were a little pitchy on Moon Dance. But uh, you get those people once in a while. They're just like okay, cool. I don't show up to your job and give you notes. <laughs> But believe it or not, I hope people are listening and shaking their head. But that shit happens. Yeah, people come up yeah. and they decide to, they decide to give you notes. You know, you're like, okay, all right, well, thank you. So people would be like, yeah, you know, the tap dance was a little weird, but uh, you know, it's like. So then I started developing this complex where, like, well, people don't want to hear it, you know, and I would. Mm. It just became like a thing. I battled with that for a long time. Yeah, because it's really, it's really like you're still that kid on stage and you get the spotlight on you. And you're thrown out almost every single time. Mm. And now you have to look at them in the face yeah. and talk to them afterwards. You don't want to yeah. do that. And bless people's hearts, man. They would show up to gigs, uh, like, for instance, at, at the pub or, or, or the Ruddy Duck or wherever it was. People were showing up just to see this guy tap dance. And that's when it started to tick me off. And I'm not, I'm not putting anyone down. I'm saying, as an artist, if people show up just to see you tap dance and that's it, which those people are out there. And I'm, I'm not, like I said, I'm not being negative. It starts to kind of give you, it starts to devalue you a little bit. You're just like, oh man, okay. So I thought I was, I thought I was this okay singer playing okay music, 
but now you're just showing up just to see me go I'm like for me it was a little bit of a downer yeah well I think so I've I've talked about it a little bit with other shows um mm. everybody needs some kind of gimmick mm. and gimmick isn't a bad word yeah it's something that it's if if you want a better word, it's a niche, right? Sure. Everybody needs a little bit of a niche to separate themselves from the from pack. From the pack, like you said. Yeah, yeah. The issue is balancing that out with mm. your performance and your gimmick, right? Sure, so if absolutely. I'm, if I'm doing a podcast, I got to find out what my niche is. My niche is this idea of motivation, whatever, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then it's all this shooting the shit kind of thing, right? Yeah, I'm not morning talk show. I'm not zoo radio. I'm not all these different <laughs> sounds that are going on about, right? Sure. sure. But some people are. So if I think if people come out for your gimmick, mm. it's both flattering and then also disappointing. Because then, mm. yeah. And then you think, is this all I'm good for? Exactly. And a lot of people don't realize that. And it's not, and like I said, it's the, I've, one thing I've learned over time, especially with Disney and 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 Stomp, uh, and even just performing here or wherever, or just traveling the world, uh, when you do a meet and greet and you meet your fans or you meet people that come to the show, they 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 want they don't know they're coming across a certain way. But as a as a Type A personality, it, it to me it's hard not to take. First of all, I can't take compliments. I'm just I'm awful <laughs> at that. <laughs> My girlfriend's the same way. She can't take compliments. <laughs> it's just like, but we, we get on each other about it. it yeah. It's just something I've had since I was a kid. And I, I'm died. To, I'll, I'll take it to my grave. Because you're always so so insecure. Like, it's it's yeah. just something. That, it's just something that's just there, and it's it's a learned behavior as, as we learn in psychology. Yeah. But like when people come up to you and they, and obviously they throw you compliments and stuff, and it's just they uh, they mean well. They mean well, but sometimes they don't know what how they're coming across. And when they when they tell you like. Uh, it's almost like a, it's 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 like that thing where like, let's say you have two musicians. It's as, as uncomfortable as like let's say you're playing in a band with a friend, mm-hmm. and the guy comes up to you and let's say your friend plays guitar and you also play guitar and he goes, "Hey man, you were really good, but you, you were amazing." Oh. It's like it's it's uncomfortable as that, and and then they start saying, "But the tap dance and the tap dance and the tap dance," and it's just like it's just like okay. And in the back of my mind, like you said, it's like, okay, well, how was this song? Like, you know, I, I'll tap dance and feel great, but like, I might feel more empowered if I'm playing uh, a cover song by a certain band, like a Dave Matthews song or like a Van Morrison song, and be like, man, I felt really good just singing the shit out of this yeah. song. But they'll just talk about the tap dancing. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just like, ah, that that'll take the wind out of your and that sails battle, a little bit, right? Oh, super, super, man. Yeah. And like I said, it's not a negative thing, but for me personally, at the, at the end of the day, it's my. My goddamn show, you know right. what I mean? <laughs> right. Just, you know, about, yes, I'm getting paid for it, and yes, I'm 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 supposed to be, like, you're you're enjoying your your dinner or your drinks and all that stuff, uh, but I am a human being at the end of the day, and it it is my show. But at the same time, I'm it, that like you said earlier, the balance. Okay, yeah. people are coming out to to enjoy them their 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 time out. But know that if there is somebody performing, then there and people are very respectful of it. Then you just get those guys that just don't give a shit, and they just right. they just don't they don't look at you. They, they they just make fun of you. And I've I've heard everything you can think of. If you think of it right now, I can even tell you. I know that sometimes the, the podcast is explicit, but the the, the most <laughs> rancid comp- comment I've ever had was my boyfriend thinks you're a faggot, and mm. I'm like, I was like, okay. Anything else you feel like telling me right now before I go perform the next set? Oh. Yeah. I'll never forget. That's in between sets? It was in between sets. 
yeah, some girl came up to me and was like, yeah, the tap dancing thing's cool. And I was like, thank you. Thank you very much. And my boyfriend thinks you're fat. I was like, all right, cool. But I remember the feeling I got of being like, I can't remember the, the, the last time I was I felt, I didn't let it kill me. Yeah, but at the same yeah, time, yeah. It, there was a little part of me that was like, really? First of all, who says that? Right. Second of all, like, who gives you the right to just fucking come up to me and say that shit? So I remember getting yeah. up on the second set, and I remember telling one of the band guys, I don't know if it was Mike or, or somebody, for, I, don't, I can't remember if it was with Piranhas, or, but Mike was like, all right, well, let's just go up there and smash the hell out of this next set and show them what Fuck the hell yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And we, we went up there, and we just we just went in. We went in. Jeez. Yes. And that's got to be a little bit of a release then, huh? Yeah. Well, that's the, other, that's the other motivating thing. So I know your show's about motivation. So the, the biggest motivation was like, okay, it doesn't get any more motivating than that when someone actually gives you the most dirtiest rancid comment. And then you're like, all right, well, I'm going to show this dude what's up. Right. You know what I mean? I don't care what he does for a living. I don't care. I won't show up to his job and make fun of him. That's fine. He could be a millionaire. I could give two shits. Right. He could flip burgers. I don't give a shit. Right. The fact is he made a comment. I went up on stage and that fueled me. To just destroy the hell. I think I actually broke the tap board that night. I wasn't like, bah, 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 but I went in and like was going in. And I remember having people come up to me and being like, that, yo, that was some, that was dope. Whatever you just, what I don't know what you on, but that was some dope shit. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. yeah man. It, it was just like, that, 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 was, that was powerful stuff. Wow. So yeah, it was cool. All right. So with that being said. Mm. Um, and that was like back in 2011 or something. Right, all right. <laughs> Well, let's let's talk about this. So, what is what do you think is for your big performances, your Tap Dogs, your Tina Turner's, your Stomp? Mm. What do you think that you've learned the most about yourself through those big performances? How to deal with people. Okay. Yeah. How uh, how to how to how to even like cause you, it's all I'm I'm no I'm culminating culminating like a whole like big mm-hmm. holy shit twenty years thing, but like just. Uh, you learn a lot about yourself when you're with the same people all the damn time. Now, it, it's just like you're nine to five, but when you're in an environment where people are constantly putting their passion in the forefront, mm-hmm. when they're constantly just... Because when you're performing, there's a different... You're, you're accessing a different part of the brain of, of just of feelings and, and emotions. So if something bad goes... If something goes haywire, some people can, 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 go, can lose their rag... Uh, I've learned a lot about myself as far as like if okay for like during Tap Dogs which you saw yeah. for instance and even during Stomp but let's use Tap Dogs since you saw it it's an intense show it's a, it's very, a very physically it's a very physically intense show. show the whole yeah yeah a lot of people don't realize that like, they, they think it's just like but we're going we're going in for like 80 minutes straight well and then one of my favorite things about that is so that ranted comment there's Every female that you could imagine is in that audience, because <laughs> they're they're looking they're looking for you guys. They're this is like, well, I was trying to be nice, but that that, that the, the girl that <laughs> and I know who she is, and I can picture her in my the, the girl that made that comment, and of course to this day I'm like, okay, the reason the reason why people make comments is because they're either jealous or there's something about something that they hate obviously right, right? right there's something right. about themselves they have a complex right. about themselves that they hate i mean it's just proven inside i didn't write it i'm not making this shit up but it's in the books it's in the books you project yes you project and he saw something i'm sure if he was there without her he probably would have just been like oh some dude's tap dancing wouldn't have thought twice about it right the fact that he was there with his girlfriend she probably smirked and smiled and was like oh 
this guy is kind of hot or whatever. Maybe she, he saw a reaction. So his reaction was, well, this boy is a faggot. You know, like yeah. to make himself feel better because his girlfriend was probably attracted or thought yeah. something really hot was happening yeah. on stage. I'm not going to lie. And that's he felt emasculated or whatever. Yeah, and exactly. That, that comes out. That's yeah. not, And it's not me being cocky. It's just the way it is. Yeah. If someone's like, Oh, like uh, even like your wife, like people listen to their wives, their girlfriends are gonna be like, "Oh my God, there's this man. It's so hot." Jason and Statham. Sure, thank you. Yes, yeah. My, I can't Momoa. walk through the air- yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't walk through the airport in, in uh, without my girlfriend being like, "Oh my God, he's uh, he's so hot." This guy doing like a per like a per <laughs> a, a cologne ad. Right, right. You know right. what I mean? And it's just like, okay, cool. But you can't take that personally. But when you're in that confined of like a sea breeze yeah. or whatever yeah, it is, yeah. that guy made that comment. It's just because his girlfriend was reacting a certain way, so he made that snide comment. So, I mean, yeah, and of course, like, I mean, uh, yeah, we're on stage doing tap dogs or stomp or whatever it is, and, uh, I mean, yeah, most the majority of the audience is going to be female, because yeah. they, they want to see six masculine men on stage uh, just going, going at it, yeah, working, yeah. and we, we work. It's not yeah. like we're up stage, okay, the next, for our next trick, you know, we're up there smashing it, smashing it, smashing it, so. Um, so the big show's how to deal with people, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of the the overarching yeah, thing. Yeah, and this goes for anybody. Anybody working any kind of job, desk job, anywhere, you're going to learn a lot about yourself being in a certain environment with other people all the time. And with the performing aspect, uh, when you're in the moment and you're performing and something, let's say something goes haywire with like tap dogs, people in that moment can, can have two choices. They either go, okay, let's assess the situation real quick and fix it or lose their damn mind. And I've seen it happen in Stomp. I've seen it happen in Tap Dogs. I've even seen it happen on Disney. Even during like a piranha show or like a even like a Justin Miles experience, like a microphone might go dead or whatever. But if you're in that moment and you're juicy, 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 go, 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 and something just breaks a drumstick or like your tap shoe or yeah. a microphone or a speaker blows, you can. I've seen people lose their rag. You yeah. Know? So one of the things that I remember seeing is one of your one of your dudes during that show broke a plate. On a tap shoe. Yes. Yeah, on his tap boot, I should say. Yes. Mm. And then was able to fix it himself yeah. or got a boot thrown to thrown him. Thrown to him, yeah. Whatever it was. And mm. I, I respected the hell out of yeah. that. Looking at it being like, that is a, a professional. He's yeah. ready to A, communicate what happened to keep the show going. Yeah. And then B, f- address and fix the solution right yeah. away. Rather than melting down. Rather than melting down, yeah. 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 So here's a funny story. Um, I used to do shows a long time ago and, um, I did a, I did sound for a show years ago at Riken. This is like 10, 15 years ago, I think. Maybe not 15. I don't know how time works. It doesn't matter. Um, so I got... Time does not exist here. We just, just go. Right. So I got called in to do the sound and I was like, cool, no problem. Let's go ahead and get this. And there was three bands on there, um, and one of the, one of the bands had this big, huge uh, blow up f- stuffed animal. Almost, I don't know what it was, but that was kind of like the branding or whatever it sure, is, right? Sure, sure. And whatever happened, um, we end up getting replaced. So. <laughs> Me and my sound guy get replaced by someone else. Oh, wow. And they okay. come in midway through the show. Wow. Right? Okay. So they set up, we clean up, and then I remember pulling a plug thinking that it was mine. 
it pulled the power for the whole band that was playing at the time. At the time. And they're in mid mid song. Yeah. Oh shoot. And then they're everything stops. The you could see the uh the inflatable monster or whatever start like diminishing. Yeah. Oh no. And I remember they're they're in the middle of a song and they're going like what happened? What happened? But they get the crowd to go into it and like they uh, start clapping. Okay, cool. And I was like, all right, that's that's clever. Let me go ahead and plug this back in because yeah. I didn't know what, what happened. <laughs> Oops, sorry. I, I guess that's what I did. So I plugged it back in and then we left. Just and bounced. it was it was everything was was fine. Um, but yeah, that's that's one of my favorite stories that I, I've kept to myself for a very long time. <laughs> Cause I I see I remember seeing that happen and they just went into Ooh. like their their own they're they're professionals what are you gonna do right yeah, yeah like yeah, they yeah. they played some shows where shit didn't work out very well yeah and kept it going so that was that was something that I I fully enjoy that I've, I've always kept to myself because it was just something like I don't think that was supposed to happen but <laughs> it worked out I just want to see the look it. on your face when you're just like oh, do 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 and you unplug <laughs> and all of a sudden you hear like just everything go n- uh, down except yeah. for the drums or whatever because yeah, yeah, yeah. the drums are acoustical right yeah. so oh that's it was, hilarious it was nuts uh, and they were an electronic band too that's what oh, I so everything cut out yeah they were an electronic band and everything cut out cool yeah it was, it was oh, very funny it was so good it was so yeah, good very funny um, so they right. were good sports about it they were like hey man it is, they uh, didn't know but they just in the middle. They, of the, they yeah. just stop and go. What the hell? Right, We're right. Let's lose. Let's let's go no, find this kept, guy and beat him up. They kept everything going. Awesome. They had no idea that it was me. Awesome. So they thought something maybe just went ha- haywire with the the sound, and then yeah, yeah, next yeah, thing yeah, they yeah, know, yeah. everything's perfect again. A similar thing happened at the at the pub uh, 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 a long time ago. So after I did the Just Miles experience, I mm-hmm. hired on a, uh, drummers and God, I went through like three drummers because <laughs> I had to find the guy that could be, play better than me. Right, not to be cocky, right, I just had right. to, and I finally found this amazing drummer, uh, Jerry Krauser, out of New York, out of, out of New York, out of out of Waldorf. Still keep in touch with this guy to this day, and we just man we had the tightest band for a while. So him and I, we would play like small acoustic duos once in a while. If Rusty couldn't make it, I'd be like, Hey, Jerry, can you? Rusty was right. always my first go to. Right, right. So we played at the pub one night. It was a hot summer night. Uh, he bought like a little cocktail kit, just super something small. I stood on the tap board, and we just jammed back and forth. I don't know what happened. Uh, someone didn't pull the plug. The actual power went out oh, out of wow. all of Kingdom Come. So people are watching, and this is pretty he- thick, thick and heavy into like people knowing about Justin Miles' experience. Yeah, people yeah, that yeah, want to yeah. be there want to be right, there. Right. And it was, I think it was also somebody's birthday at the time. I just remember a lot was going on that night. A lot was going on. And the power went out. And so Jerry kept going. He was just like, and I was like, well, I looked at him and I was like, well, we can either stop or we can keep going. I just started yeah. tap dancing. Perfect. So for like, I don't know, somewhere, 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 someone has video of this on Facebook, but like, I think we went on for like a half hour or some shit. Like oh, maybe, just... maybe, tw- maybe 20 minutes. I don't know. Maybe I'm over exaggerating, but it felt like a half hour. Yeah. And then all I remember is looking up and people had their cell phones out with the flashlights and they were egging us on. They were like, Woo, keep going, keep going. That's amazing. And we just kept going. We didn't lose a beat. He kept playing the drums. I would take a solo. He would take a solo. He would trade. And it just go like it was just it was a feel good in the moment. It just yeah. happened. And people just to this day talk about that. People to this that's day great. say, Remember that time you played at the pub and the power went out and you just kept going? And that's a small place. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. you know, you could see everything right away. Yeah. So you would know if you're in the audience. What just happened? Yeah, exactly. That's that's great. So it you get to be so, a part of the whole thing. Yeah, that's fantastic. It it, it also it, it was just really cool to see all the the cell phones out and the, and the flashlights and it's just that that when you're looking up and you see all these flashlights, you're like, oh my god, this is crazy. So, but it was so cool, man. 
So that was a great example of like being motivated in the moment and improving because yeah. a lot of my shows, uh, the the musicians that I hired for would would improv a lot. Uh, they they know that they can stretch out and and if some people liked it, some people were like oh, I just want to hear play the funky music and superstition. Mm-hmm. I want to mm-hmm. go home, which is fine. But a lot of people started coming out. Like we were, I think we were dubbed the musicians' musicians band because that musicians would come out to see us because yeah. they wanted to see the musicians play. Right. They loved the music, but they wanted to see people stretch out and actually just yeah. kind of like, okay, what's this guy going to do tonight kind of stuff, which was cool. We might play 12 songs a whole night. They might be like 20 minutes long, whatever. It's cool. It's what we did. It was the experience. Right. Hey, right. have a magical day. So with that being said, <laughs> those smaller shows that you were doing mm. locally, what do you think that you learned the most about yourself doing those? To let go, to absolutely freaking let go, to like not let the any kind of space, whatever space you're going to be in, if it's going to be playing in a, uh, I'm not going to play a, a play ever again. A real estate opening mortgage <laughs> thing, whatever, in the corner of a kitchen next to a refrigerator. But uh, it was to just to be more personable with people, to to just say, hey, what's up? Thank you for coming out. And because I've never really, 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 really had that experience with right. touring with Stomp or with you right. know, you don't get to really meet people at the stage door. Maybe like sign a drumstick here and there for 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 a lady's son or a daughter or whatever. That oh, I'm really a huge fan. Cool, I'll sign your drumstick, man. Hopefully, inspire you to be the next in line for a yeah. show like this. Yeah. yeah. But there was never any forced meet and greets. There wasn't any like it wasn't like people always thought like oh you open the you open the stage door and they're like three hundred thousand chicks hanging out like <laughs> it ain't it was never ever to this day ever ever like that you know what I mean and uh, it, it it was nice to come back to to the to the roots of Southern Maryland and St Mary's and for for a few years there try to figure it out try yeah. to figure out how what am I doing here what's yeah. going on while I'm here let me do it might as well might as well play. Might as well balance it out. Finding that balance and and talking to people and just realizing that the they only mean well, you know what I mean, and not taking everything so personally. If someone says, "Oh, but the tap dancing was really loud," oh, okay, cool. Yeah, next right. time I'll try to turn it down and right and just not giving it, you know, not in a good way, just not giving a shit, yeah. you know. And All right. What do you think keeps you driven the most to keep pursuing your goals? Money. No, I'm just Money. kidding. <laughs> Money, <laughs> fame, <laughs> bitches. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what keeps me going the most, you know, I, the only thing, I, this is the only thing I know how to do. I was born into this, man, to, to, I mean, we're at the dance studio now. You can probably hear stuff in the background. This is, this is, this is my livelihood to tap dance, to entertain people, to, to have crazy conversations like this, even yeah. if it's over a podcast. Yeah. It's just, um, uh, I, I, there's nothing that beats the the feeling of playing music and, and the, the response you get from a crowd, you know, just playing through a song. There's just nothing. It's, it's unexplainable that the feeling you get when you perform and I get it when I tap dance. And I also get it when I play drums. And you know, the fact that I was able to do a show like stomp where the two kind of came together, even though it wasn't a tap dancing show, the feeling was there. The feeling was there. And even doing the Whitney Houston and the, and the Tina Turner tribute, which was my, you know, my actual, first professional touring gig with a drum set right you know internationally too uh is 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 super absolutely freaking super super uh, humbling and and it's a payoff because i feel like i've worked my ass off a friend a a, a lady by the name of jennifer cooper she plays uh, in several bands she made the best comment on facebook when i guess i posted something about um uh, playing with Tina Turner and Whitney Houston, mm-hmm. she's like, "You worked your." She didn't really say it, but I'm I'm, I'm paraphrasing. She's like, "You worked so freaking hard to get to this point. Congratulations! It was the best comment I ever had." 
I mean, I'm not saying That's mom great. saying, congratulations, I love you, and your friend's right. giving you a pound on the back. But just that, she realized, because she knows she's in the game too. She's also dealt with like the same heartaches and stuff with right. people not appreciating right. certain types of music and jazz or whatever it is. Um, that was one of the best comments. It was just like, because I did. And it was the first time in my life uh, to, to be like, yes, you know what? I absolutely did work my ass off, even though I probably didn't know it at the time. Uh, and I have value. I have validation now to back that up. Because a lot of people just want to get there. Right. They want to, they see the stardom. They, they see the, 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 what they need to do. Oh, not what they need to do. What they just see, okay, if I get an Instagram account and I get followers and likes, I know you talked about it with Dylan and, and John, uh, Ron and all those guys. Mm-hmm. But the journey it takes to get to that point, I feel like it is lacking a lot in some people today. Some people got it, but uh, the, the journey to get to that point is lacking. It's like you got to back it up with value. To get validation, you have to back it up with value. And experience. Yeah. A lot, load of experience. You can't just like, some people are gifted. They come right, boom, bam, they do it. And they, they, they're, on the, they're on the prowl. But um, a lot of the guys that I see to this day, like hanging out at Open Mic last Tuesday, there's a lot of young cats in there playing music. And they're like, oh, yeah, this is such and such. He's new on the, he's new on the, uh, yeah. as Steve Nelson says, he's new on the prowl. He's a young guy. <laughs> and, but the fact that these guys are opening their, their, their lives to them, like Rusty, Matt Glass, Steve Nelson, even myself, Dylan Galvin. I mean, I haven't been around, but I, I say hi to these guys. I'm like, hey, yeah. man, welcome, man. Yeah. That's the first thing that comes out of my mouth is welcome. Right. It's the first thing that comes out of Steve's mouth, Steve's mouth and, and Rusty's. And probably yours, if you, you go out there, yeah. you say, hey, man, welcome to, the, welcome to the family. Welcome to the club. Right. Because we all know what it feels like to, be, to show up to these open mics and, and be like, like scared and coward. Like, oh, my God. And we're like, no, man, it's cool, man. Do, do, do 10 minutes, three songs, whatever comes first. And. And back them up, especially if it's original music. Like, kick, yeah. kick ass, yeah. man. Yeah. Kick ass. That's great. Yeah. And it's just like, as long as they know it's going to take some time. And some of these guys now are playing normal gigs, even though if it took them a year. Maybe it took them six months. Maybe it took them five years. You know what I mean? They just show up to these open mics. They play. And especially if the owner of the, of the place is in there, he's going to see this and he's going to go, cool. All right, maybe I can book this guy. Maybe so, I can book this guy to play. Do you have a piece of advice for anybody that is starting out, whether it's in dance or music? <laughs> piece of advice. Uh, yeah, be, be, be nice. Just be nice. Be cool and just be yourself. Be yourself. Um, I just quoted Aladdin right there. That was really, that was really corny. I think the old animated version. I think that's Robin good Williams. Enough, yeah. Ah! Nah. But yeah, totally. Like I just, I think you just need to. Uh, for me personally, I, I can't tell someone's experience from another one what to do, what to do with themselves. Everyone's different, obviously. Yeah. Um, but the whole like be yourself joke and the whole like be nice. I, I, for me, it is. It's it's super agonizing to have someone who's a part of a group that is not nice and it's it, that are cynical. And if you just if you learn. Not even learn, because obviously you have to fail in order to know what success feels like. You have to hit rock bottom in order to climb the ladder again. Um, it, it's, it's the whole grass is greener on the other side. If you don't fall down, you're never going to know how to get up. Right. You're going to be, be what, the one thing we say in dance a lot, and I tell my students this too, because I, I still teach, I still choreograph, but I'm still giving lessons the best of my ability. I'm not like, this is what you need to do. I'm like, <laughs> this is what I learned. Hopefully you can take a piece of this knowledge. Is I tell them, make loud mistakes. Make loud mistakes because you're going to mess up. That's life. And you're never going to know what a mistake feels like if you don't do it 
at a at a high velocity. I like it. So if you make a mistake at your peak, if you make a mistake at your highest output, then you know where to fall back on. And the only way to fall back is back in your chair or to, it, you just get back up and you dust yourself off and you try it again. And then the one thing we do in my classes is if someone falls down, which it happens all the time, <laughs> I fall all the time when I teach. I got videos I can show you, man. <laughs> um, and I actually have something posted on my Instagram. It's like, well, this happened today. And I did like a cross step, 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 kick and fall. And, it's, and I make fun of myself. And the thing that pissed me off, I didn't get a lot of likes for it. I was like, I thought I'd, I thought I'd get like 700 likes. I'm just like, that is funny. I fell down full, full blast, full acceleration. But like, and I fall in, in, in front of kids all the time is – uh, if someone falls down, you clap, you applaud, you say, all right, come on. Yeah. And we get them up and we, we applaud and we say, not the fact that it's, and you're making fun of it. The fact is, Hey, you fell down. Like you went, it's because you were doing it full out and you slipped and you fell. And the same thing can happen with musicians. I'm not saying you're going to fall down while you're playing acoustic. You should get yourself checked, but like, just try Go big or go home, man. Make loud mistakes. Just make loud mistakes, make loud mistakes. Cool. And then you know where to fall into place from there. I think that's it, man. I like it. He's like, that's a good note.